Hail, glorious listeners! It is episode 48! Ben, good evening. Evening, dude. How are you? I am very well, thank you. It's nice to see you there on my tiny screen. Yeah, looking, it's nice to see you too. You've got a halo behind your head. Yes, well, there we go. That is just my angelic nature. Um, So, tonight... <laughs> On, uh, you're either tired or there's a severe internet delay there. <laughs> <laughs> so tonight, guys, we are going, as ever, onto the hobby desk. We are going to talk a bit about batch painting and the joy that that is. Um, hobby pledges and I revisit chipping from one of the earlier episodes. In the Galaxy of War, Aeronautica is now with us and I've had it in my hands, so we'll talk about that as well. Um, and we're going to cover off a little bit about what we think of the uh, the futuristic emos that are the Raven Guard and the uh, the grumpy Iron Men that are the Iron Hands, um, as well as if something cool is announced on Sunday, I'm sure we'll touch on that, into the Mortal Realms. And we've got a excellent surprise uh, for you. Um, we are introducing... Or a shock. Or a shock, yes, yes. Um, Nine Inch Dan will be joining us on the show. Um, so Dan is one of our new content chaps. Um, been with us from the start, really, in the shadows, but uh, is now making his presence known. And um, he's going to talk a bit about his hobby evolution into AOS coming from Warhammer Fantasy Battle uh, and where his hobby's going with the changes in uh, in Age of Sigmar that we've seen over the last few years. Uh, then we'll go into the community. So we've got our usual shout outs on Instagram and from Facebook, a competition winner. And Ben and I are going to talk a little bit about where we buy our soldiers uh, and what our motivations are for uh, that choice. And then Moving into the wilds, finally. It's wild week this time. Uh, we're going to talk a bit about MDF terrain, some roleplay, and Warhammer Quest as well. Or some, some cool figures on Kickstarter Hero we Quest. found for Hero those. Quest figures. Hero Quest figures. Hero Quest I figures. I thought it was Warhammer Quest figures. No, Hero Quest. Ah, okay. Well, there we go. That was uh, an excellent finish then. <laughs> <laughs> Guys... Thank you very much for joining us. Do grab some refreshments and we will go on to the hobby desk. Hi guys, and welcome to episode 48 Hobby Desk. I've just had my refreshments bought by my lovely wife, Jo. Who's joined me for a little bit. Hi, Jo. Hi. Makes a fantastic coffee. I know. And paints, and, paints actually... and awesome bit of non-metal metallic as well. Mm. Well, that, the coffee's why I actually travel down to your house sometimes. When's the sometimes? How often does that happen? Not, not often enough. Hmm, I'd agree with that. The trouble is, when I go into Cornwall, sometimes they don't want to let me out. No, charge people to get out of Cornwall. Yeah. I actually do if you go by a cell <laughs> They do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So what are we going to talk about? Well, um, if you had listened when I was telling everyone in the intro um, what I we would be talking about, you would know. So um, 
we're going to start. Someone was trying to break into my shed. Well, that's true. We we are going to start <laughs> by talking about the excitement of batch painting and your how much you've enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, or not. Right, that's that covered then. Um, yeah, done. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> so, what are we so, going to talk so about? So you've been, so you've been, you've finished since we last spoke. You have finished the first of the big batches that you yeah. divvied up of your rocks. So yep. I thought it'd be a great time to reflect on what you felt went well about batch painting them, and what you thought you could do differently moving forward. Um, yeah. So I probably I probably batch paint in a slightly ridiculous way compared to most people. A lot of people, when they think of batch painting, they think of painting 10 or at the most 15 models, maybe 20. Um, my first batch was 62 models, which included three characters and two chariots, <laughs> which was a bit, which is a bit ridiculous. There are armies. Um, there are 2000 point armies that are smaller than that. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of, Banking on the fact that the models were quite simple, but they weren't really all that simple in the end, um, because the cast wasn't that good. You had to work around a lot of the problems that that, that created, mm-hmm. which is a bit of a shame. But um, I think there's some key things to batch painting, um, which is keeping it as simple as you can. Yeah. I think that's really important. Um, using a decent-sized brush. So I would say one minimum one probably even a two um and and making the most of the size of the brush so you can have a lot of paint in the body of the brush and you can crack your way through two maybe three areas on a model before your paint runs out um making the most of sensible color choices i think is another big one so if you're painting over white you're going to really struggle to do lots of batch work you're going to have to mess around quite a lot. Um, so I think choosing colours that you're, you're comfortable with over base coats and, and foundations that you're that are going to be a bit more forgiving, I think that's really important. Yeah. So yeah. I would never choose to batch paint 60 elves, for example. No. That wouldn't happen. Because I'm not as confident painting white and I'm not as confident um, with the sort of silvery metal mm-hmm. as I am with the sort of rustier metals and the green skin and the leather. Yeah. Those things I've done so many orcs in those colors that I feel pretty comfortable doing quite quickly. You have painted the odd orc. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then using a few tricks. So I think washes are really useful. Yeah. Um, to sort of tie things together halfway through. I used a lot of those with those orcs. Um, what I'm finding really helpful at the moment is using contrast paints as base coats, not necessarily as the finished job, but using it as a base coat takes a number of stages out and then I can just work on it from there. So if I give an example of Bestial Brown, or what is now Mournfine Brown, um, I would have gone grey, Mournfine Brown, Agrax Earthshade, um, then Scrag then Mournfang Brang again, um, Scrag and what's the lightest one I use? Deathclaw. Deathclaw, yeah. Um, that's quite a few stages really for a batch paint. Mm. So what I would tend to do is take off the Deathclaw and finish at Scrag. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. Um, what I'm finding now is that I can take out the Mournfern Brown, the Agrax Earthshade, and a little bit of the re- redoing with Mournfern Brown just by using Gore, um, Gore Thingy Fur. Gore Grunter Fur. Gore Grunter Fur. Um, so that just takes a few stages off. Um, I still use a bit of Agrax every now and again to get the tones right, but over that. Yeah. But I'm finding that speeding things up quite a lot. Excellent. And using weathering. Yeah. <laughs> weathering helps. Yeah. Yes. Definitely helps. Secret to all speed painted things. Find a way of masking the bugger ups. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, and blood. Joe's reminded me I'm blood. And blood, yeah. Blood's good. Yeah. Blood's good. I have found that you have to choose a key element. This is one of my things. So when I was painting those orcs that I've just finished, I I felt that the skin and the weapons were the two big ones. Uh-huh. Uh, and get them right. Because if that's the thing that's in your face, if the, the YMCA orcs have got their weapons above their head. So when you look at the unit, it's a big part of what the unit is. Yes. Um. So I actually sort of did not, I wouldn't say non-metametallic technique, because that's wrong, but that, the, the light and dark shading that I would normally do if I was doing that kind of, giving that impression, but using true metal, so getting a dark to light to dark all the way across it. I did that relatively quickly on the weapons, I didn't fuss over it, and I think it looked really good mm. when you looked at the unit, and if you were to pick one up and have a look, you'd be like, oh, it's not brilliant, but I think across the unit it works really well. With my Iron Jaws, for example, it's the white armour. Yeah. If you get the white armour right, everything else doesn't matter, really, because that's all that people look at. Yeah, it's interesting um, because you read... There's a few thoughts on that, isn't there? Faces and bases was one. That, that's what it used uh, to be not, when we worked for Games Workshop, yeah, wasn't it? Faces, faces and, and bases. bases. Um, was always one. So, I know, like, you... It kind of makes me think a little bit of, of batch painting makes me think a little bit of Slimming World. Right? <laughs> so <laughs> So bear with me, right? So on the face of it, it's a beautiful thing, okay? So you get to have a load of models, you get to do some cool painting. When you're done, you're gonna feel amazing. But the reality is it's bloody hard work. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it? So yeah, yeah. And, and I think it's worth sort of saying that it's not gonna be for everyone for no, a number of not. reasons. Um not least of which is the fact that whilst you now have got painted those sixty two models, and that's awesome, that has taken a lot of t- of hours. It might not have taken it doesn't seem like it's taken a long period of like days. But you've put in some serious painting time on those days to get that done. Yeah. Um, and if if somebody either didn't... Well, I'm not sure you wholly enjoyed it the whole time, but some people really can't stand sitting down for more than an hour or, mm. or don't have the opportunity to do so. The fact is that batch painting in that way is, is going to take a flipping long time. Yeah. Um isn't it? So I think that's Absolutely, worth yeah. bearing in mind. Brushes thing is interesting because I, I must admit I use a two now. A Windsor and Newton yeah. Series 2 is my go-to brush. 
um, because it keeps the point and like you say you can load a bit more into it Um, and something that I got from you I think just thinking about your example with contrast paint um, something that I started to do to speed up batch painting was um, 50-50-ing my Agrax with um, airbrush medium uh, so that what I ended up being able, what I I have been able to cut out mostly is that re-going over with the base coat except for in the recesses stage. Yeah. Um, Or if I do do it, it takes one coat, not several. Um, Yeah. I know that, I think I learned that from the Blood Bowl Orcs when I put Rakar Flesh on, which took me like four coats to get solid over the red base coat that I'd sprayed them. Then I promptly whacked a load of Agrax on and then it took me four coats again. And I was like, this is not good. (laughs) It's about being, I mean, it's very easy and it's a sort of a natural thing to do, to do, to move quick, to paint quickly when you're trying to finish quickly. And often that's not the way to do it. So that's a really good example. When I'm painting my white orcs, my white armored orcs, I do not wash the white at all over the whole thing. I carefully pick out where I want the wash and put it in. It takes a tiny bit more time to apply the wash, um, but the overall time is saved hugely because I haven't got to go back and, and fanny around with the Rakar flesh again or whatever base coat it mm. is you're using. And if you can get your wash to a consistency where it's going to the cracks where you want it, it's going to the places where you need it and not a you know, staining or damaging the main surface that's going to take you ages to paint over, then you're kind of in for a winner, really. Um, I think, it, but there is like this natural assumption is, oh, I've got to paint the base coat and then whack on a load of wash and, and it can really end up slowing you down, to be honest. Um, and I remember talking mm. to Tommy Saul about this and he said, you know, painting quickly is not about painting quickly with your brush and moving quickly and slapping loads of paint on. It's about being refined and being competent and making every brush stroke count and putting the paint in the right places. So you can get the same effect with minimum brush strokes. You will paint faster. Yeah, it's it's about painting smarter, isn't it? Yeah, paint smart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. More more haste, less speed is another thing. Yeah. Maybe we should do a new hashtag. Hashtag paint smart. Yeah. One of the things that I have been doing a lot with, because I'm currently on my next batch is hard boys 25 hard boys and three gold grunters and um i've been using a lot of um contrast to water down a traditional paint mm-hmm. particularly with the green um i find that is absolutely fantastic it's a little trick that i picked up of darren latham when we were talking about painting with a wash and he puts a little bit a contrast paint into washes to give them a bit more color saturation, a bit more vibrancy. Um, and I figured, well, what happens if I do it in reverse and sort of get my green paint, which is the dark earthy one, which I'm so bad at remembering names. It's ridiculous. Um, oh, my dark green paint. <laughs> and I stick in Militarum. Um, Militarum green to water it down. And I'm finding that is so much faster. Because it flows nicely, it goes 
goes where I want it, and it, it's watering down with a green rather than just watering, which is diluting the pigment. Hmm. So I'm a big fan of that at the moment. Um, I'll go in the other way from that. Um, Dan was telling me, uh, Nine Inch Dan, that is, was telling me that <laughs> he had seen a chap who was, in order to highlight contrast paint, yeah. was adding like bone or what have you to the contrast paint yeah. and then using that as the highlight and that he, he so Dan uses that he he contrasts and then he does the highlight by adding and he does one highlight by adding that you know that bone in his foundation base paint mm. but he's painted it over yeah yeah so um yeah so Anything that you are would would not do, or you are choosing not to do with your second batch that you did on the first batch, things that you're like flipping heck, I'm not doing that again. Um, I didn't enjoy the YMCA orcs for lots of reasons. They slowed me right down because of the nature of the model. Um, I'm really enjoying painting the Ard Boys. Um, cause it just, it just works. They're just a better model, I think. Um, I think the thing that I've struggled with most is trying to do colors that I hadn't done before with contrast, with contrast on, on like the sleeves, mm. the sleeves killed me last time. So the lighter yeah. colors, um, I'm still, still not really very good at, painting a lighter color quickly hmm. um, if i haven't started with that color in the first place so with those that they were over a gray base coat and they were a bit dark and and then by the time they've been washed and building them it just didn't work very well i know my art boys are white so i've just said i'm not very good at painting bright colors quickly but i can do those quickly because i've started with that color and i'm working around it and because they're orcs it doesn't really matter if I get something on the white because I can just turn it into a chip or a blood splash to cover it up. Yeah. Going back to what I was saying about choosing forgiving colour schemes. Um, but obviously you don't do that because every single brushstroke is completely deliberate and, and placed yeah. with thought and care. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> it's like where um, all the feet on my models are dry brushed the same colour as their bases. That's because I've tried to tie them in. And it's not at all because I've just been messy with my dry brush. No, not at all. <laughs> so, so talking about brushes, yes. Um, Element Games um, have, I think, announced they're releasing a new brush. I don't know if anyone knows about Element Games brushes, but did you know that they do a brush range? Uh, well, if you tell me what the range is called, I might know. Uh, it's... It's something I picked up when I was up having my painting lesson with Tommy. Um, what do they call them? Well, they're just called Element Games. Um, they don't have a, like a, a a brush sort of name, but they, okay. they've divided them up into Character Brush, um, Regiment Brush, and then there's a Stubby Detail Brush. But just take, for example, the, the Regiment Brush. It's a size one. It's Kalinsky Sable. Uh, it's £7.49. So it's a really reasonable price. Um, interestingly on here, they say that the weight for weight, Kalinsky Sable, is three times the price of gold. Mm. It's a bit, a bit insane, really, isn't it? That's like um, saffron. Yeah. Um, I had the chance to have a 
mess around with them when I was up at the painting lesson with Tommy, and um, it's really good. Oh. Uh, apparently, they're bringing out a, a, a newer one that's sort of even for more of the upmarket. Ah, that's cool. Oh, Element Masterclass brushes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I find... So if you're looking for a, a cheap sort of Kalinsky Sable work brush, mm. I know seven pound forty nine might might not seem cheap, but actually for a for a brush, it can be. You can pay twelve quid for a, you know, easy for a oh yeah equivalent. Yeah, definitely. Um, just hopping back a little bit then. So I. I mentioned uh, in the intro, I wanted to talk a bit about hobby pledges. So, yeah. and and I think that kind of it segues nicely from what you you, you know batch painting because this is all part of your pledge to tackle your green skins this year. Yeah, um, and obviously, um, in the last episode, we talked about my attempt to paint a little something from each. Yeah, game system that I play. Um, So I thought it'd be uh, interesting just to talk about the motivations behind that um, and why you've chosen this year to be green skin year and um, the sort of things people should think about when they're thinking of making a hobby pledge and and what's going to work for them. I think, um, I think hobby pledges are different for different people. Um, but I think the I think the fun of them is that you're not making them to yourself. You're including other people into your hobby. It's about building community. So when you know Sean posts his models, I feel like I'm part of his hobby mm. because he said to us, "This is what I'm going to do," and then he goes ahead and does it. Um, and I really like that. I like that because I think painting can be quite lonely as a hobbyist. It can be quite isolating if you don't include other people in it. So I choose to do things that make painting more community so the hobby pledge is one of them i'm really enjoying that that's a new thing um painting night is another and we kind of pledge to each other that in a way it is a hobby pledge that we we turn up every tuesday and come what may we sit down and we paint models Mm -hmm. um if it's joe she sits down and plays on her phone or looking at the model for at least two hours before paint meets the brush and then she'll whack out an amazing sword and we'll be like oh cheers for making us look crap <laughs> to be fair um, she also keeps the evening going with marshmallows and cups of that's only because she stuff. wants the marshmallows <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah i think hobby pledges are for me are about involving other people in your hobby and um and making it a more community thing and i think the internet is a perfect medium for that it really expands it out and if you do it in the right places with you know um you know with the right people it can be a really positive empowering thing and you get by saying this is what i'm going to do if people are listening to your pledge then you can end up having quite a lot of support people going oh you know have you done it how close to you oh come on dude you can finish it off yeah. um the re- the reason i chose to do orcs was because I had this feeling that if I didn't get through my back catalogue of orcs, particularly the orcs and goblins from fantasy, it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, yeah. For I... for a very long time. Hmm. So how? And you... while I was in the role of doing it, I figured 
Why not? Mm-hmm. How are you finding the fact that, like, staying focused? Because, you know, it's, what is it now? It's September, so there's still a few months left to go with all their new releases, plus you're sat in a room surrounded by other projects you'd like to do. So how are you managing it? <laughs> I think that when I've just got, I think people are different when it comes to motivation. And I find when I've got myself a goal, mm. I just keep going with it until it's done. Yeah. Um, I wish I could do the same with Slimming World. But it's one of those things that, you know, I really want the outcome. Yeah. of that painting pledge. I really want it to be that. I really want to finish it. I've got this idea of sometime around Christmas putting my Age of Sigma wire on a table. Um, when we meet up in November, I think is my have it in my mind. I'm putting it out and being like, yes, look at that. That's proper awesome. Yeah. Um, and and I do that. And then that's, you know, I have that vision in my mind. It's actually a technique, a motivational technique, isn't it? Visualization. So you imagine what your outcome is and then you, you head for that outcome. But I think it's worth saying, if you are not enjoying what is your hobby, don't do it. Yeah. Stop. Walk away. Do something else. If you're not enjoying sitting down and painting, then, um, don't. But I think if you're, if you've got a project in mind and you want to finish it, sit down, put some paint to the model, and I think before you know it, it'll be an hour later and you'll have done a fair bit. Yeah, I think that's really true. Um, often, if you aren't feeling motivated to paint, um, just sitting down just and do it. up a brush. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You, you know, you'll, you'll know within the first five minutes, if you if you really aren't feeling it, then you aren't feeling it, and the model's going to yeah. look not very good, so, so don't carry on. But more often than not, you'll you'll sit down to paint, and then then you'll get caught up in it and push forward. Um, so I think that's really worthwhile. I think, um, I suppose the bits I wanted to add on pledges was like it's really important. I think not to just look at one person's pledge and think, oh yes, that is that is the silver bullet for my hobby backlog or my my painting backlog. Um, yeah. You need to think about what works for you um, yeah. and what doesn't work. I think it's quite hard sometimes. Like, I hear what you're saying about if you're not enjoying your hobby, don't do it. I think the challenge is often the bits of the hobby we do enjoy most can come after bits that we don't particularly enjoy. Um, And then, you know, if you are in a financial position to get someone else to do that for you, great. But I think if, if you're not, then it can be good to get put things in place like your painting night. So, for example, I don't particularly enjoy building models um i feel like it's a bit i'm a bit like oh i just want to be painting it um yeah so i will tend to build models yeah (laughs) so i will tend to build models in front of the telly um with harriet or like if i go to someone's house for a bit of hobby um invariably because i'm i like having all my paints around me for when i'm painting invariably i won't paint i'll take things to build um, yeah. So I can be there building with someone else. It's a lot less equipment as well. Yeah, yeah. It's a box, clippers, knife, some files, glue, done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, so if you are thinking that you'd like a motivational hobby pledge, just have a think about 
being realistic because there's no point. I know they say they don't, don't they aim for the moon, and even if you miss, you'll hit the stars or whatever it is they say. But if you just decide to go for sixty models, but you're not the sort of person who can just sit down and and go at it, then you're just never going to get there. You're better off no. to do it in smaller smaller sections because, like, so I know for me that. Probably the most positive emotional response I get in the hobby, um, with the exception of just being in Warhammer World, is when I finish something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. doing a great big batch of stuff, I've tried it so many times and it just it just doesn't work because I'm so up and down emotionally anyway. Um, yeah. And, and the hobby is an emotional thing and I need that sort of, Oh, that's finished because it gives me the motivation to do the next bit and the next bit and the next bit and the next bit. Hence, breaking it up into smaller pieces. Um, yeah, I think that's really important. You, you need to know. You need to know how you interact with your hobby, and there, there will be people who the idea of batch painting sixty models is the equivalent of, you know, putting their head in a fan. It, it's not what they would consider fun or even the hobby at all. Um, and in that case, they'll... it won't be quicker for them. No, it won't be because they'll, they'll they'll you'll put it off. You won't want to do it. You'll sit there. You'll slow down. You'll you drag your feet. You'll look on your Facebook on your phone rather than paint. You'll do all the the procrastination. Also, there will be people who the the thought of spending a hundred hours on a model for Golden Demon is the same feeling. They're just mm. not. It's not for them at all. You have to know who you are and what your hobby is. And I think coming to an understanding of what it is is really important because you shouldn't force the thing that you're not. If, you, if you're if you a kind of person who gets the most like you, who gets the most out of finishing a little project, going, yes, I've done that, and moving on to the next thing and building up momentum, then do it. That That's how you should do it. And if you don't like batch painting at all and you much prefer to do one model at a time, and that's how you, know, you, you get almost 10 finishes for a squad of 10 marines do that yeah yeah. you have to know your hobby you have to know who you are and and how you do it um and you shouldn't i think in some ways listen to what people say take people's advice on board but don't let that be like the the golden holy grail of of hobby there isn't one your hobby's yours your hobby is yours it's no one else's and you shouldn't really be dictated by that it's the same as like somebody reading the rocks fitness plan and going, I'm going to do the rocks fitness plan and then dying in a heap three days later because, you know, the fact that he's got up at four o'clock and done 60 million press ups for breakfast would kill most human beings. You know, that that's his life and he lives it the way he does. You know, I could do it tomorrow. Yeah. That only came in because I was reading about his ridiculous training program the other day. <laughs> Impressive, man. Mm. So, um, I've some, Interesting philosophical thoughts there. I liked that. It's good chat. Good chat. Good chat. Um, so, <laughs> so what have you actually got done, Dan? <laughs> well, because you've actually done some awesome stuff. I have. Um, I have. Um, well, well, I was actually going to finish. So I finished my war shrine, which, and that looks amazing. It's such a complicated model, and you've done it. Done it proud, man. Well, thank you. And I and I must admit that was that was a real hobby buzz because I bought that when Age of Sigmar came out. And yeah. I built it, fully built it, all of it, um, 
with no sub-assemblies because I just wanted to use it. And then I tried to paint it and it crushed me. So <laughs> I've overcome that and I've finished it. And I used it in the game as well last night. And it was okay, but the best bit was it was huge. Um, yeah, it's a real centerpiece. Yeah, isn't real it? centerpiece. So really pleased to do that. And then um, the only other thing I've done is started my Aeronautica. So I built it all. Um, that wasn't in my hobby pledge plan, but uh, that's that's fine because it, they're awesome. And you can go zoom. But that's why I mentioned about chipping because oh, I've started with the orcs. Um, I have got one here. You probably can't really see it, but yeah, I can see it. Yeah, flying across the screen. Um, <laughs> so, and I used chipping fluid across a miniature for the first time. Um, yeah, because you're normally very specific with it. Yeah. So usually, in the past, I've just used it on specific pieces usually where I put a line on to make something look cool. Um, but with these, I um, I sprayed them up with uh, Mornfang brown and then spots of Scrag brown and then spots of Trollsayer orange um, yeah. and then varnished them. Um, and then with gloss varnish, two quite two thin-ish coats. Um, but then I went in and I, I sprayed them over with Tamiya um, Sky Grey or something like that. And then uh, came up to the Tamiya White and in in di- to do some like pre-shade work. All right, yeah. yeah. Well, I wondered where you were going with that, yeah. but yeah, yeah. And then Tamiya Flat Yellow. Do you want to mention that you put the chipping fluid on after you'd done the gloss varnish? Did I not say that? No, because that's an important <laughs> point, Dan. It is. It's a key, it's a key part of chipping. It is a keeper. It's a, <laughs> no, this was this is my like bake off. This is all to do with the bake off because in the technical right. challenge, uh, they yeah, don't yeah, give yeah. them all the info, do they? They just go like bake it. They don't tell them how long. So it's exactly like that. So you just got to work it out. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll be Prue and you can be uh, Paul. Paul. Paul, yeah, what really? Yeah, why not? You, well, it's well. that or Noel or Sandy. Anyway, it's can not I be Baker. Mary Berry? Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um. What was we even saying? So yeah, put the oh, chipping man. fluid on before you then do the next bit and, and get the color on. So when the colors on, and then just put some water over the model. And then what I did is I got a a toothbrush and just went back and forth on it. To, to, to kind of get because it's it would be sort of directional weathering on a plane mm. um and i was absolutely chuffed and it was fast as well and then i then you have to seal it again when you're happy and you're done with gloss varnish because otherwise just the damp your fingers will take the paint off yeah off yeah. off the chipping fluid um if people are particularly interested there is a high quality production video on youtube um in which these models feature there is a strange posh fellow on there um <laughs> but yeah it is worth checking wearing out. a it's funny hat and talking cornish <laughs> and speaking in a funny way um but yeah if you check out the two peas youtube channel that video is on there and those guys are in it if you can put up with getting through the initial uh opening randomness there is a bit about them in there 
I'm, I was in, I'm just to intercede. If anyone who listens to our hobby desk and, and likes it, I'd, we'd quite like some feedback on whether or not it would be worth us doing sort of how to videos on stuff. Cause I know the market's kind of saturated with them. Um, but if people think that it'd be worth doing, it might, it might be something that we could cobble together. I've done a Reason. how to talk like a toff. <laughs> how to fail. You, you, always, you have to start with a what-o. What-o? <laughs> Those damnable orcs need a bloody good thrashing. <laughs> That's how you do it. Right. But of course, by, by the end, it's like, <laughs> what what oh Those bloody orcs. What are they doing of? <laughs> Gazbag, where are you to? <laughs> so, after <laughs> it was too serious at the beginning, wasn't it? It was all that philosophical thinking and like reflection. So by the end, it's silly voices. Yeah, why not? Why not? Why not? Um. Well, on that note, <laughs> <laughs> so we should recap. Chipping, put the colour you want to show under the chipping, gloss varnish, your chipping fluid, the colour you want on top, then put it with water and gently rub off the top coat of paint and then seal it with a varnish, preferably gloss varnish and then matte afterwards. That's the process. Um, It's a good job you're here. Remember the chipping fluid. (laughs) Otherwise, otherwise, otherwise you'll be you brushing your model for, brush for a while. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I will say is you don't need to be rough with the brushing. It will come off. You just be gentle because um, you can very easily just batter it right down to the undercoat. Yes. Very true. Uh, chipping fluid or not, gloss varnish, whatever, won't make any difference if you're attacking it with a heavy brush. No. Indeed. Okay, so... I think with your excellent summary there and actually bringing something useful uh, to the to the segment, um, unfortunately, 50% of people won't hear it because they'll have given up by the time I'm talking in a stupid voice. Um, we shall now head into the grim darkness of the far future um, and the galaxy of war. Okay, welcome to the grim darkness of the far future. Not as dark as the coffee that I am planning to drink to stay awake. Uh, that is very, very dark. Um, yeah, Ben, Space Marines. <laughs> Sorry. And that is why... It's like the worst intro ever. <laughs> Come on. When you create awesome intros like I do, every now and then you've got to have some, you've got to knock something down so people Lower the benchmark a bit. Right, okay. <laughs> so, 40k. 40K. Well, not just 40k. No, the grim darkness of the far future. The, the grim, the far future, yeah. So, what are we going to talk about first? Well, what we were thinking we would talk about uh, in the segment is the Iron Hands and yep. the Raven Guard, because those are the guys that are, they've got 
Codex supplements. Um, they are the yeah. next two to get them. And a couple of chapters which actually are a bit more fringe chapter, I suppose, really. Getting a bit of love in the form of Yeah, models. especially the, I, the, the um, Iron Hands. Mm. Not really been a great deal for them. It's an upgrade pack that used to float around a little bit. Um, yeah. with some bionics in, but I can't, I can't think of a character they've ever had. This, you could specifically say that's Iron Hands. Um, other than Ferris Manus, of course. Yeah. So. But he hasn't got a head, <laughs> so. No <laughs> Nearly headless Ferris. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. um, do you want to start off with the, so, I, I'm not going to lie, like, I know a fair bit about Space Marines, but you are, you are a Space Marine man, so. You, um, you need to be keeping everyone enthralled, despite my do e- I? yeah, despite my efforts with with my intro, um, and my coffee. It's it's all down to you, my son. So the Iron Hands have got themselves their new um, Iron Father, Furious Iron Father called Furious, and he is Mal Mal. I can never work out how to pronounce this stuff. So Mal Khan with two A's, Furious. Um, and he is boss, isn't he? He's such a nice model. He's half tech priest, half, um, Primaris captain. He's, he's got a heavy massive. bolter on a, like a pintle arm on his shoulder. <laughs> it's, yeah. And it's really good. It's not like yeah. a rubbish heavy, it's not like a normal heavy bolter. Um, no. Yeah. So he, um, He's quite, I quite like him because he's got a bit of passion. That's what it says. So a lot of the Iron Hands are quite divorced from mankind and humani- their humanity. Um, oh, but yeah. Yeah, he yeah. is described as still having that kind of burning passion, um, inside, which I, really I like. um, I was always pretty indifferent about the Iron Hands really until, um, the, the Fenris sector books. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then I took a strong disliking to them. <laughs> uh, I, I, I did, and, is that and then it was followed up. the Space Wolves. Not at all. It's because they were incredibly arrogant, incredibly unhuman, um, and very, very like binary. Yeah, but I thought, um, yeah, okay, and I didn't. I followed that up by reading the short story, um, the Her- the Horus Heresy one, uh, where they're in the desert with the hum- human Imperial Guard trying to keep up with them, and I just didn't like their attitude then either. I, I don't. I'm a kind of Salamander Space Wolves guy, where humans are everything to them. They're the whole point of their existence. They they're still in touch with that kind of origin and what their role is. Whereas Iron Hands just barely barely even recognise what a human is anymore. They just kind of get in the way as far as they're concerned. Um so I, I they're not they're not a chapter for me. However I do like the aesthetic a lot. The you know the deep black, the iron, um lots of bionics. I think that could work really, really well. Um but it's not a chapter I would go for. But then that's that's half the thing, isn't it, about forty K or or any any hobby that you play, you've got to you play the chapter that catches your imagination, not just the way it looks, but the way the background. Hmm. Hmm. Often it's a story or a passage or something that catches your eye. I guess but, in their defence, and I and I agree with you. I'm not. They don't 
they don't appeal to me personally, which is not a surprise because the chapters that do are the Ultramarines and even more so the Salamanders. And the Salamanders mm. are, are like the polar opposite. Yeah, they the are. Completely the polar opposite. Um, yeah. So, but in, in truth, you know, these guys lost their Primark because of the weakness of emotion, essentially. Um, and the fact that Horace was, um, you know, became, uh, oh, Ben, help me with my words. I can't think what's the word. Warmaster, heretic, evil scumbag, Mark One. Jealous is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, and, and so you can see, you can see where they, they come from. Um, but I do, I say, I do like the character. Um, there's a cool little, little, um, excerpt in the article on the community site. And it says, um, it is, it is as master of the forge, Malcon Phyros says, a titan is a mighty weapon of the Omnisire, but without the fires of its reactor, it is but cold, dead metal. Um, and I really liked that. I thought that was cool. So I, I think he's a dude. He oversees the severing of the hand as well. Did you, did you read that? Yeah. 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 So he, he cuts off hands with his axe. Yeah, I mean, let's declare for that for people who don't know anything about the Iron Hands. Is as far as an Iron Hand concern is concerned, the flesh is weak. I mean, that is literally their saying. Um, and when they are inducted into the Iron Hands, they are they have their hand literally replaced with a, a bionic and become a literal Iron Hand in reverence of their chapter master, whose hands were molten metal, um, essentially, or covered in molten metal. Um, the, that you know, that's kind of part of their initiation. His rules are disgusting as well, Dan. I mean, absolutely awesome for holding down a battle line. He increases the Iron Hands. Um, uh, well, m- models in friendly Iron Hands units um, have a five plus invulnerable save while their unit is within six inches of him. Five plus, <laughs> and uh, their ballistic skill is increased to two plus if they're within three inches of him. So if you put him in a unit, you could anchor the line like a boss, really, couldn't you? Mm. Especially with his own gun. He can own, with the rights of tempering, which is the five vulnerable, that affects all units within six. The other one, the Signum Array, is just one. Yeah. Yeah. Still still ace, don't get me wrong, especially when you consider that if if you then have... um, a, is it the chapter mask? Which is the is it the captain that lets you reroll ones to hit? Yeah, well, if he's got those rules, yeah, then it's gonna it's gonna stack up and become pretty insane. I really. don't know if he has those rules, but they may be. A I should I should imagine he, he imagine he would do because I mean, well, no, he won't have the captain rules. He will have the chapter master rules, won't he? Is he's, he the chapter master? No, he's the master of the forge. He's their like chief chief tech marine dude. Right. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's cool and a love and a lovely model and another awesome upgrade pack with two of the sprues and transfers. Yeah, very good, isn't it? Really happy to see the transfers and everyone. It's excellent, and I think it is going to be very difficult when they do salamanders um, to, <laughs> to leave them on the shelf. Cause, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I think they're awesome. So, um. So yeah, that's that's the Iron's hands. 
um, or a brief overview of the Iron Hands. So, Raven Guard then. So again, another chapter yeah. you don't see loads of. No, and I've I I was I really enjoyed Deliverance Lost. Hmm. Really, really enjoyed it, and the short story that went alongside it, um, where uh, Corax is running around with a heavy bolter like a gangster. <laughs> yeah, that's that was an audio book, wasn't it? It was originally the audio book, but yeah, I think because I read it. Now, that was so. one of the first audio books I listened to, and I absolutely loved it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I've I thought Deliverance Lost was a very sad book. Um, it was one of those books where it built you up with so much hope and then just crushed you right at the end. You know, I had this idea that the the they were going to come back from the dead, they were going to rebuild their chapter with this new technology, um, they were going to go out there and um, he, they'd sort of perfected the gene seed as well a little bit, hadn't they? They'd messed around with that a little bit. Um, and then they were off, going to go off and sort of become like the avenging angels of the heresy, as it were. Um, you know, the, the ones coming in to save everyone's dire situations, but it never ended up being because of um, the filthy Alpha Legion and their inability to leave, uh, to fight fairly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a good book, a really good book. And um, and I, I, I really like the Raven Guard. I like their aesthetic. I like the way they fight. I like, I've always liked Strike's model, and I really like the new one too. One of those chapters where I could very easily be conned into playing them because <laughs> they're black and easy to paint, and well, not necessarily easy, but you could make them easy to paint. But we'll edit that pause out then. <laughs> <laughs> you just sat looking at me. Yeah, well, I thought you were still talking about no. Nope. So you're done then. Great. So, other things for 40k then. So, Aeronautica Imperialis. Yeah, I picked up my box yesterday, actually. Yeah, good. And have you opened it yet? I have, yeah. yeah. Initial feelings? A bit light on the ground. What, of stuff? Mm. It's only £55, mind. Yeah, but... F- <laughs> yeah, I, I get it's only £55, and... Model-wise, it probably does make that money up, but it wouldn't have hurt, for example, to have put some of the unit cards in there. Yeah, that's a big thing that's come out. I don't, and I don't really understand why they haven't. No, I don't either. Well, no, I I do. I think I think realistically, they've gone right. We want something with a price point that of fifty-five pounds or down around there, and then they've looked at the component cost and they've worked out the the markup they need to make and they haven't been able to afford to put them in is the only thing I can think because it just makes it doesn't make any sense from any other point of view. Um mm. I'm not even sure it makes sense from that point of view because actually they're they're a really key part. Yeah. I I harken I liken it back to that exciting old game of Drop Zone Commander where Dan um and I really wanted to get into Drop Zone Commander. But we had to flick back and forth through the darn rules to look at what different units did so much. We just gave up. We, we yeah. actually gave up. So um, same thing here. You, if you aren't 
going to buy the cards, you're going to want to photocopy the unit stats out of the rulebook for definite. Um, I mean, the cards aren't... I suppose the other frustrating thing as well is if you buy the pack of cards, you get loads of cards. So you're paying for cards you probably aren't going to need to use necessarily, um, which is a shame. But, I mean, the models are lovely and the box art is incredible. Like, I really, yeah, I really yeah. love the box art. Um, yeah. I've, uh, I've done all the bases today for my, my fighters, my fighter bombers. Um, mm. And I've put them on taller flight stands as well. So in the box, you get flight stands, don't you, with little ball joints on. But I just felt they were a bit low. Um, mm. So going back to, to the box again then. Um, so gaming mat is in there. Uh, rather than the cardboard one, I think that's fine. I, I'm I'm I was okay with that. That's fine. Yeah, I, I must um, admit, I I wasn't too bothered. Um, what? Uh, yeah, that, so that was in there. Um, the dice, dice, um, were in there. A, a sheet, a sheet of tokens. Ah, yeah, tokens. Um, I'm glad you mentioned the tokens. So this, I just, I don't get it. You got that that sheet of tokens in there, right? And it's made out of proper yeah. cardstock. Yeah, yeah. The sheets of tokens, the extra sheets that you buy, which is like I think it's seven hundred fifty. They're not made of that cardstock. They're made of a really thin cardstock. Um, so I ordered them, and you get five sheets of them, and um, they're this like thin. They're still card. But but they're like really really thin, and and I don't get it because what you end up with is a lower quality item and flipping loads of them, like it is mental. I've got enough. I could have an air armada. I've got so many tokens. Mm. So I don't. I just don't get the decision making process on that, and unless I wonder if it's got something to do with because you know how we've seen products for Titanicus disappearing. Yeah. And I think I think because they're bringing in like buying like masses of loads of them and having them printed and then not doing it again. Maybe it's about saturating people so they've got so many tokens. That's still not going to help people in the future. But yeah, essentially a bit of shame, I thought. I was a bit like what 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 is what is this? <laughs> Well, I suppose I, my the book is fine. It's got the rules in, but um, it it doesn't have any background really at all. I mean, one page of color schemes for each of the different things would have been wouldn't have hurt. And I, I suppose my thought when I opened it was: is actually was this worth it, or would it have just been better to buy the bit separately? Yeah, because if if you end if you bought like. I think it if still bought... does work out because they're, they're basically each different type of plane is twenty five pounds. Yeah, but, but it's twenty five pounds for four Thunderbolt fighters for a start. Is it? Yeah. Oh. So, so you, it's twelve pound for that. So what I'm getting at is, it, would it have not been? I for for me, I would have you know, seriously have thought about buying Rin's World, which has got the rules in it, and um. The model separately and the board, and it'd be a bit more expensive. But I, I don't know. I don't know whether it's. I, I'm. 
it's the first time I've opened a box set and thought, is this actually is this actually good value or is it? I don't know. I think it probably is. When I added it all up, you are getting more models. I mean, there's a, there's fifty five pounds. It's it's twenty five pounds for two Marauder bombers and twenty five pounds for the the two orc bombers, isn't it? So yeah. So yeah, you are you are get saving money, but I I don't know. I it there feels like there's some bits missing out of it. I guess. Yeah. Like the unit cards and and I don't know. I I think the unit cards really frustrated me. Mm. So, and one one other thing is, and I, I don't normally do this, but what is it with individually wrapping each base in a plastic wrapper and then putting all of those individual bases in a further plastic wrapper, so you end up with like so much plastic wrapping that it's a, it's a bit daft, yeah, and not at all environmentally friendly. It's just no. like just stick them all in one bag, guys. It was ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um I, I I I unfortunately I lose track of what I've spoken about two days ago. Previously. Yeah. <laughs> but um I thought I was very surprised at the lack of like you said, the lack of pictures of markings and painting guides. Very surprised. Yeah. Because it's a game that for many people many people won't have ever played anything like this or um have had planes or fighters or bombers or anything like that to have any reference of what to do um i mean i have got a fairly substantial book collection <laughs> and I... <laughs> yes <laughs> and i'm not joking i have looked through quite a few and i cannot find one um that has the um you know the markings in. It was all the I mean, imperial I, armors, wasn't it? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But I don't. I'm not sure if I've got the volume. No, no. I'm not sure. I have the. I don't have the imperial one. But I mean, it's probably in there. But and all you know, all of those. I th- those so that artwork is done. Mm. You know, an extra two page spread with like these are some markings of some. You just get the artwork that they've done from Imperial Armour and stick it in there. I, I think that's missing for me because I can't even find it online. You know, like a, a resource of lots of different markings for... Um, have you got Rinsworld? Cause it, is it in there? Because that would be the next place, of the book. Yeah, I have got it. And it, there's not a loads in there. Oh, it's just disappointing. And it's not often I say that, but it's disappointing. But uh, the game as a whole, the box set, the game, everything, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty chuffed with it. The models are superb. Oh but, yeah, the models are stunning. But I just, there are things in there which I think, um, I'm not, I'm not really sure why. Yeah. And I think that, that's a frustrating feeling. Yeah, it, it, it is odd. It is odd. But we shall see what the future holds. Um, right. yeah, you have a whole book for like 30 quid full of imperial markings and I'm, <laughs> Like, yeah. really? oh, it'd be like it wouldn't it be good though if they did one like do you remember the armies of the empire and armies of the skaven and armies of the high elves yeah i got them that's what you want <laughs> that's what you yeah. want just like that um yeah what has been cool though i've been listening to double eagle um, oh such a good book and i've picked up wings of glory um to read while i'm on holiday which is loads of short stories 
Um, interestingly and completely not connected in any way to 40k is that Audible have got the new GoTrek book. Um, mm. So that's good. Just throw that out there. It just popped into my head. Um, yeah, so it's been good to go back and read those. I've not played it yet. Um, I had a brief look at the rules, and I'm quite, I'm quite pleasantly surprised by how simple they look. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've built, I've done all the orc planes apart from like the markings. So hopefully, uh, Ben Chambers will do his imperial planes first, and then we'll be able. To I was going to go for do, do you know like the Pacific Theater. Um, when radar was introduced, the American Air Force went from painting their more, their airplanes in very specific ways to just leaving them bare, bare aluminium. Yes, with like streaks on. I was, I was going to do that actually. I was quite. I've been looking at pictures because there was nothing else to, you know. So I was going to do that because I quite like the idea of that. Yeah, that sounds cool. I'm not quite sure what I'm going to. Well, I think I'm going to go with a sort of a brown color for. For my thunderbolts and stuff, because I want it to match my gaming table. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the interesting things about the reason why the Air, American Air Force and oh, and the Royal Air Force, but the American Air Force was the article I was reading about. They went to that brushed aluminium is because typically they paint their planes as camouflage, um, but with the advent of radar, there was absolutely no need to do that. But then. Also, it was talking about how detrimental the paint was to the plane, so it increased the drag because it was matte rather than shiny, um, and added weight onto the aeroplane. And I was like, well, actually, you know, how much weight can... Oh, it's probably an extra tin or two of paint. It probably is quite a lot of paint, isn't it? Mm. It's probably a few kilograms at least. Um, so I, I just found that I found that really interesting. Um, and across the whole Thunderbolt... Oh, yeah. But I think what's what's quite interesting with 40k though, um, the madness of it, is that it it's like the far future, but they still have proper dog fights. So you're listening, you're list, I'm listening to um, Double Eagle, and it's talking about thunderbolts like being up at like six thousand feet and then stooping and diving on hell talons, um, yeah. and actually the thunderbolts being camouflaged. Has a benefit because they because they're, they're not they're not like especially at this point in the book they haven't got any missiles left for getting locks and stuff so it's all cannons and and hard rounds and las cannons um and also yeah. they're they're hunkered down in um uh an FSB a forward surveillance base um yeah or whatever so you want called. them camouflaged on the so, floor yeah so they're camouflaged and it talks about them being painted in like a, a green wash. Um, so they're camouflaged in, in the trees. Um, mm. what's I, I, also I, I, interesting is that an orc would almost certainly not have radar. Yeah, so if yeah. he can't see it, if, you know, it's a painting and camouflage colors, it's probably really useful because if he can't see it, then he, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, um, that's 40k though, isn't it? That's the, the great yeah. thing about 40k. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. So, uh, an interesting 40k segment um, this time round. I think mainly because whilst we have some interest in the Iron Hands and the Raven Guard, they're not armies that we're active in, and 
we're probably a bit 50-50 with Aeronautica at the moment. We've got a real desire to be excited, um, really impressed yeah. by certain elements of it, but a bit unsure about other elements. So I think that's a really fair. I think that's a really fair summary. Yeah, actually, yeah. I feel like uh, my my last feeling is I feel like having bought the box set that I need to buy the extras, and I have never felt that before. Mm. If I bought Warcry, I would not feel the need to buy any of the extras. If I bought Blackstone Fortress, I would not feel the need to buy any of the extras. Not, I'd want to, but yes, they would yeah, not be necessary. Yeah, yeah. But with this one, I feel like there is stuff that I need to buy to make this game work in the way that I would want it to, like the unit cards. Mm. And that is a really frustrating feeling. Mm. Yeah. And that, that's, I think, my last thought on it. Okay. I think my last thing not to do with Aeronautica uh, is um, something very strange did happen. So I ordered Aeronautica from one place uh, and the order didn't turn up prior, well, in time for the release day. So I went into Games Workshop and bought it because I had to have it on release day. You know, these things, you just have to have them. And um, (laughs) so then I went to the other place with the intention of returning the copy that I'd pre-ordered. And I went in, and instead of leaving with the money, I left with a copy of Apocalypse. Very strange how these <laughs> things happen. <laughs> Did it mug you? Yeah, yeah, it mugged, mugged me. you and, and climbed left, in your case. Mugged yeah. me and left me with a box of Apocalypse. <laughs> weeping. So, uh, yeah, watch this space. I haven't opened it. I'm, I've told myself I'm not allowed to open it until I've got 300 power painted for my Chaos, which is the recommended size. That's a lot more to do. <laughs> so you won't be opening it for this year. This year, I wouldn't have thought so. Not to get to three hundred power. There'll be the next version of Apocalypse out by now. I know. Yeah. I did think that, but there we are. Although, although the interesting thing, the good thing is because it's completely self-contained game. It's yeah. a totally new rule set. It doesn't actually matter. If they bring out another one, it, it, this will still be a valid game. That is a really good point. I had not thought of that, and that's a really that's that's a really good point. Mm. Um, and I'm very excited to. Except there won't be rules for the newer models. But no, no, but let's see. People will always make rules. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. If the system is popular, there will there will always be somewhere on the internet making their own data cards. Excellent. Well, I think I'm kind of overcome with excitement for our, our upcoming um special guest. So I think we'll call it a day of journeying around the grim darkness of the far future. Um and we'll go through the realm gate, like like through the looking glass or whatever. Um it's like the crystal maze. Yeah, like the crystal maze. It is like, it is actually, that is why Age of Sigma is so awesome, because it is just like the crystal maze. You just wander around a bit, go to a different door, different kind of theme. So you, you get people standing around the table shouting at you to do stuff and stand there confused and incapable of moving. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. <laughs> okay, let's go to the Mortal Realms.
Hi guys, and welcome to the Mortal Realms. Uh, we're joined by Dan Wosley, who is the um, one of the page managers for the Wanderers page on Facebook, prolific Wanderers players, uh, who's just had his army crushed by Games Workshop, <laughs> never to be returned. Um, uh, despite years of um, oh, dauntless support of the Wanderers and refusal to take anything other than a Wanderer in his army, it's, it's a bit of a moment for him. So we're going to have a chat with him about that. He's only just found that out, so he might not have much to say on it, really. <laughs> Apart from to just cry. Are you going to cry? I might cry. Yeah, okay, that's all right. <laughs> I think um, we do need to clear up. So this is uh, this is Nine Inch Dan, as previously introduced. Um, it's not, it's, I think a few people were slightly disturbed um, and thinking it's that not was a, anatomical, a rude it's reference, the... <laughs> but he's in fact actually just a gnome um, and uh, is only nine inches high. So just to clear that up. Um, makes rolling dice difficult. It does make rolling dice difficult, yes. Yes, it does. But you can just lie down and measure the distance your models must be from the enemy when they appear. And then when I try to charge, <laughs> not roll it. Yeah, then not charge. I'll not get the nine inch charge. Which is the Which real is the reason real, why real it's not reason. Inch um, Yeah, and oh, and if you hear a slight scuffle break out when we are talking about the uh, the wonders having fallen to the uh, axe of Games Workshop. Yeah, just keep that, mentioning it. It's fine. That Carry is, on. <laughs> that is in no way. Yeah, that is in no way connected with the fact that someone. Uh, very near to here, may have given feedback that the Wanderers were overpowered. Um. <laughs> so, sorry, Ben, you're supposed to be leading on this, and I've just started chatting. That's about normal. No, no. So we've also got a few other things to talk about. We've got um, Gotrex War Scroll. We've got uh, a few new releases for the upcoming Breastgrave, and. Um, and just having a general look forward to see what's coming out in Age of Sigma, really, because there's a, there's a few things that we know are coming out soon um, and would like to sort of have a ponder about. And there's a few more releases for the um, Tomb Kings, hashtag not Tomb Kings, um, who I would never remember the name of. Bone Arsiac Construct bone people. Is that what they are? Yeah, Bone, bone Reapers, Reapers, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. Where should well, we start, I think guys? what would be cool is to start with... Dan has been on the podcast a couple of times before, I think, when we've done the group. Yeah, has. We always yeah, end up recording when we go to like Warhammer Fest or something. That's it's right. the end yeah. of a long day and we've all had some beers and then I'm just laying on the bed ready to go to sleep. And you're like, right. Let's do a podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, we know what our listeners like. Um, so, first things first, really, is a brief introduction to you, your hobby. Where did you start? Uh, I started collecting... Oh, goodness me. I want to say 20 years ago. It must have been about that. About 20 years ago. Um, end of 5th edition fantasy. Yeah. Um, surprise, surprise. Collected Wood Elves. Yeah. <laughs> collected Wood Elves all the way through, all the way up till 8th edition. Yeah. Um, got rid of them. Was it Mike McVie's Wood Elves that got you into them? Who's he? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, the, the, so he did a wonderful diorama of the wood elves bursting out the forest and doing over a necromancer. You have seen that one. Yeah, is it the one in Warhammer World? World. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. lovely. I remember seeing that one yeah. more, actually. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of theme was like a so big, it wasn't him that got that you kind into of theme it. was like a big part of what I really enjoyed about them, like the ambush warfare and, like you said, like bursting out of places and just being like a glass hammer. I really enjoyed that, like kind of all or nothing. 
Um, and then when mm. Ages, I did collect Lizard Men briefly in Eighth Edition, but then at the end of Eighth Edition, when Age of Sigmar came out, I decided I'd have a clean break and start something brand new. And I sold my army on eBay, and then I instantly regretted it and bought it all back and started again <laughs> with Wanderers. <laughs> and then I just got back up to like a good kind of three thousand points. You know, it gives me a bit of flexibility, take what I want. And now they don't sell them anymore, and they're not going to be in the next edition, it looks like. Well, so, some of them are still available, just for clarity. Um, so the Eternal Guard are, aren't they? Yeah, actually, to be fair, for what I just said, a lot are going to be still available. It's just, so the Wanderers were carrying quite a lot of metal metal heroes, and the Glade Guard were quite yeah. old and quite static looking. They don't quite fit the aesthetic, and I think they're trying to kind of remove a lot of those older kits. And, and they're OP. Yeah, and they're OP, <laughs> which doesn't help. <laughs> I think if I was going to go for Glade Guard, personally now, I would probably go for the um, the Wood Elves from Lord of the Rings, actually. A lot of people do, actually. Um, they've just, they're just got a lot of nicer poses. They're just nicer. Yeah, the only thing about yeah. them is, is that in Age of Sigma, they look a bit spindly because of the scale. Yeah. But yeah. no, I love Wanderers, and they are, still, they are still a faction. They are still going forward. I'm really excited to see what happens with them in the Cities of Sigma book. So my plan is that with the Wanderers that I have, I will use them when the Cities book comes out and use them as a living city army. Like a woodland city. Yeah, so there was one in the Firestorm campaign that was the living city, and that was... It's always Stormcast, and then it was Wanderers and Sylvaneth. I can't remember what else. But they that would be quite cool for you to expand into the Stormcast a little bit. Yeah, well. and they had a similar play style to the Wanderers in that um, the Living City kind of are ambushy, so you deploy a lot off the board and then come on a board edge in your movement phase. And there yeah. are um, Stormcast that kind of do the same sort of thing. There's the the, the Vanguard wing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, don't know, I think it would be cool to reunite them with the Sylvaneth and then... I don't know, maybe in the future we'll see what happens with Kanothi for Beastgrave. They seem to fit that aesthetic as well. There's still like a lot of directions they can go in, places they can ally with. Um, although they did get nerfed, I don't think they're quite dead yet. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I think that they are a faction that isn't gone-gone, like the Tomb Kings are gone um, and the Bretonians are gone. There are still elements of them. The, the race is, you know, the, the aesthetic is still there. It's still in, in in some of the miniatures. It's still in some of the background. So I don't think that woodland elves are gone by any stretch of the imagination. And now just... there's a real opportunity to see what that looks like in the mortal realms and in the city and in in amongst all the other yeah. the other races and how they integrate into that. And I think that would be really cool. And there'd be lots of different takes. So you know. There are lots, you know, the how do they look in the realm of fire and what happens when they come across dwarves, things that, you know, races that they would sort of traditionally not have liked and how do they get on with that and things I think is quite interesting to explore. I think you've taken it really well, Dan. I've got to be honest. I mean, if my, if they sort of, I took, <laughs> I think it's fair to say I took the, the removal of the high elves badly. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, I, I think I've done it. <laughs> so just flashbacks to the conversation we had the morning that it happened. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. In fairness, you weren't all that positive either at that time. But um, no, I think you've done a really good job of seeing the positive side of it. 
um i think that's really cool and i and i really hope that from my own personal p- opinion or position that that the uh, the wood elves and the high elves neither of them have gone they're just not then there's not prominent armies anymore and i hope to see that you know flourish into something in the future but just fingers crossed i think <clears throat> you can never say never with games workshop at the moment no and and it was quite good opinion. i mean you adapted really well when age of sigmar came out from fantasy because you'd only played fantasy yeah hadn't you and then but we you know we we just jumped straight on board and we were in warhammer world the day after it came out with our starter box sets playing i think you've got to do that i, th- I think there's an element of you've just got to go all in and, and embrace it or you're not going you know or it, or it becomes a negative thing and then that's difficult to get over sometimes mm. isn't it i do like though that like you've included elements i, I love your um celestial hurricaneum you made like with the stone and the yeah. rocks floating around it and things. yeah and i really like that because i'm I've said before, I, I really like the idea of taking the rules for something, but then creating your own aesthetically working model. So I do already have a mixed order army, which I think is what this, the city will look like, hopefully, depending on what the rules allow you. And also, this, I think there's going to be new battalions and things that I might be tempted to take. But I have already kind of started to shift that way. I was I was already playing or dabbling with mixed order, you know, for the last year or so. Um, we played a mixed order game yeah. the other day, mm-hmm. so I'm kind of, I'm still waiting for the book to come out, but I think I'm kind of as prepared as I can be at the moment to see what happens next. Yeah, you've got a good range of things. You've got, I love your um, witch elves, aesthetically, they're just awesome. They look like poison ivy. They? they do all look <laughs> like poison I ivy. But I tried to do them sort of green and orange, and then they all just came out looking like poison ivy. Yeah, but that's fine. Stay <laughs> the case. Um yeah. It's actually quite exciting looking forward, isn't it, when you think about what we've got coming up for the rest of the year. The the Cities of Sigma, the Orc Warbands or whatever whatever they named it. Um and you've got the, the new Bone Construct people whose name continues to Tomb evade Kings. me. Um Tomb Kings, not Tomb Kings. Um and there there feels like there's a lot to cram in. Now? It does, doesn't it? Because it's only like September. It's October, November, yeah. December, you know. Um, so it's an exciting couple of months for Age of Sigma, I think. Um, particularly the Az, two of those books. The, the bone, the orc one, is mashing two forces together and the, the Cities of Sigma are mashing loads together. It's gonna, it's gonna change the balance of everything. You know, how, the sort of armies we're seeing, the sort of, Unit choices that are being made, how they're put together. I think it's um, it's going to be quite a period of change for Age. I think it's really exciting in that there's been a lot of little tiny factions that are kind of left by the wayside that you couldn't really do an army of that people are still quite passionate about. And put these umbrella books where they bring in factions. This is the kind of tidying up that we've wanted for in Age of Sigmar for a long time that people have been saying that they've wanted for a long time. And I think Games Workshop have been a little bit slow to react to that. There's kind of been pushing Stormcast and pushing their new armies, but then people already have collections or are interested in the other factions that they already did were a little bit left behind. And now there's a big kind of catching up and it's going to, I think when that's finished, it's, 
going to feel like the complete game that it always should have been. Mm. Yeah. Is um yeah. With these two books um come in. No, three because you got the ogre one as well, haven't we? Well, ogre one is speculated, but we have an ogre model. Um yeah, we got the the officer up, but I what I was going to say is does that will that now mean is there many models left that aren't in a battle tone once those come out? Dark El- Dark I don't Elves. think there is, Dan. But Dark El- aren't Dark Elves going to be in the cities, but... Yeah. Yeah, they will, yeah. yeah. But what was interesting about them was is that nothing got culled at all, mm. so it makes me think there might be some kind of plan for them. Mm. Yeah, It's outrageous, isn't it? <laughs> Killing off all the High Elves and keeping <laughs> Sorry, the Dark I Elves. there's a little bit of salt just in that comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, no, I, I'm wondering if that ogre guy could, could be one of two things, really. It could be a war band for Beastgrave. We don't know. Um, or it could be this, you know, the, the precursor to a whole new ogre's yeah. book. Um, given that basically every time they bring out a new, a new underworlds, they're kind of changing the goalposts of what can be in it. I mean, you had Molog in the last one. It's not beyond the realms of possibility that you could have an ogre tyrant. No, definitely not. Um, and this one seems to be more about cavalry. So we've got the um, Kurnoth, Kurnothi, um, and you've got now the, the goblin wolf riders, um, which kind of leads us, kind of segues us on nicely to Beastgrave, doesn't it? So. We were just having a look at the Beast Grave releases. Dan and I. It's it's very complicated that there's two Dans. So Dan Worsley and I were just looking at Beast Grave. Um, I was looking at I was looking at the release through the eyes of Dan Jolly. I was looking at the <laughs> the set that comes with the box that's got all the spaces already for your cards and all the re- already for your army, and it's all just organised and neat and tidy. And I was just thinking, I know someone who will absolutely love this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there's, there's some, uh, there's a big change that's happened. Um, the, the details of, I'm not entirely sure, but I'm, I'm really positive about it. So effectively the old cards, and I don't know up until which point, but the old cards, the sort of basic set of cards are no longer going to be valid. Um, beast graves, Basic cards are the ones that are going to be valid. And Nightfall. Um, and then... Uh, are they including Nightfall yeah, as well, it's the, are they? it's the most recent two seasons. Well, see, I think that that's really good. And, and my, my reason is that if you were to get into Underworlds, and we spoke about this actually when, we, when the box set first came out, that there will come a point in the future where all of these legacy cards will be an absolute nightmare to get yeah. hold of. Um, not only to get hold of them, but to the cost of purchasing them all, even if Games Workshop said, well, here they all are. And um, we're already kind of at that point, but imagine it in two years' time when there's another two box sets. Um, so I think for a beginner, someone who's just getting into Underworlds, being able to say, oh, okay, well, I can buy the, the most recent box set and I will... And they'll probably release the other ones in a deck or something, and I'm yeah, done. So, I, sorry, I, I just went wanted to check um, exactly. So, basically, um, universal cards 
from yep. season one will no longer be valid once Beast Grave is out, but faction specific cards will be. Yes. Um, yep. So that you keep the play styles. And yeah, like you, I think. Well, I think it's excellent. The only problem with it is it starts to overcome the, the one thing that's stopping me starting collecting up um, Underworlds. Yeah. Because that that, that is the yeah. barrier, has been the barrier. But actually what this does is, well, it's brilliant. Because it means that if you are specifically thinking, right, well, I'm really liking Stormcast, your back catalogue only needs to include all of the Stormcast warbands, which if you like Stormcast, you're probably going to want anyway. Yeah, you don't, you don't need to buy things from Season 1 to get hold of the Universal cards. That being said, yeah. you still need a flipping uh, lot if you want them all, don't you? Because two seasons were. Yeah, I'm... I've heard that the warbands from the first box are going as well, but I'm not sure. No. Because has that been clarified? Well that's not what it says here. Not what it says on the Well website. then that's that's not true then. So um you're gonna end up with lots of different warbands as options and um but only needing to buy the most recent core set. And I think as a beginner, that's exactly what we needed to hear. Because this is an evolving situation and it's exactly how every other card game works that, you know, there comes a point where old stuff is just not valid anymore. Or if it's not valid, it's just so old, it's not useful. I still think it's a lot, mind, because you, it's not a case of just buying the most recent core set because any universal card from any of the warbands from the current season and the previous season are are you are valid so yeah if you want it yeah. i believe and i i might be wrong because i don't play uh underworlds um and fully get it but my understanding therefore would be that if you wanted to be able to access every single universal card that was currently playable you would need to purchase 16 warbands i think what i would encourage a person who was just getting into it to do would be to build their deck digitally and then select the warbands that they're in and purchase them specifically. Yeah. Why yeah. can't you buy a booster pack in your local gaming club or at your newsagents? I don't think you can. Ever. Yeah, I don't know why you can't, though. It just seems like it would be an idea. Hmm. Well, it's an evolving thing, and I think the, the cool thing about Underworlds is they are taking feedback, and it does keep evolving and changing. So that, it might well be something that you see in the future, Dan. Hmm. But goblins on wolves, dude. Goblins on wolves. They are really something. The models are superb. They're everything that I wanted new wolf riders to be. I can't help but think they were wolf riders that were designed to come out as an actual goblin unit, but then ended up being released as this. There's a little bit of me that hopes they're going to come back as a as a as a unit right. themselves. So I I wondered if really... it might be. I mean, I'd like that, but I did wonder if they might use the Shadespire setting, the Underworld setting, sorry, to explore or reintroduce things from the old world that, that with no intention of them moving into the Mortal Realms proper. And the only reason I'm saying that that could work is because the thus far, what I've read of the settings that Underworlds is set in, they are 
divorced in some way from the mortal realms, like cut off or Mm. trapped in time or what have you. It also allows them to do that, what they've been able to do with Kill Team to one degree, but Blackstone Fortress primarily, explore units that they're not, there just isn't enough of them maybe to become an army, to become a valid list. Like Squig Stalagmites. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, that's not going to be a valid unit ever, is it? But but there they are in in um, Underworlds, and I think that's that's something that we might see. But regardless, there will be rules for them in Age of Sigma. There will be a War Scroll, yeah. so yeah, yeah. they will be in my Goblin Army. Yeah, <laughs> they do look ace. They do look really good. They look amazing. They're so but, dynamic. Love yeah, them. and what's great is they've managed to like capture the look of the goblins from uh, Warhammer Fantasy Battle. But yeah, but do away with the things that were problematic about them, which is like they weren't particularly dynamic and they were a bit odd shaped and stuff. But they've still got the feel mm, of yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm loving the terrain pieces. Yes, hugely impressed with them. Oh, oh, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, really good. What I really like about them is their hexagonal. They're hexagonal pillars of stone coming out of hexagonal bases. That I just think is a really cool idea. Yeah. Mm. yeah. There's, there is one thing about the release that I am absolutely baffled by, is that they're selling the counters separately. I cannot fathom why they would have done that. They should have been in the they should have been in the box set, as far as I'm concerned. I can't see why they're being sold separately at all. Mm. I wonder because obviously this sort of harkens back to the conversation we were having in the 40k section with regards to Aeronautica, and I wonder if there's something in there about people not wanting to pay for stuff that they don't they don't necessarily have to have. Yeah, I can see that, and they talk about it in the article that you can use bits of gubbins or whatever. You know, how much does a sheet of cardboard coins or an extra? I, well, yeah, indeed, I don't know. But then again, you look at Magic the Gathering and like 1-1 one, one creatures and stuff like that. You know, people buy their own tokens and all sorts of those things. Yeah. But I, 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 I'm not really not really keen on that, to be honest. But um, the colour is horrendous. <laughs> the colour? That orange. The orange, man. I don't know if it's just on the screen, but the colour is eye-watering. <laughs> 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 I see um, what you mean now about the hexagonal pillars. Yeah, it looks yeah, that's, like, that's yeah, that's like a giant's like causeway. Giant's course, yeah, yeah, that's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. It just fits just right. I really like that one that's over across two sections. Yeah, that's that yeah. like skull and a bit of backbone and ribcage. Yeah. They're all good, really. The crystals bursting out of the ground are really cool as well. Yeah. I'd like them just because just they're nice. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They are really nice, aren't they? And as you move forward, you know, you have like a little collection of bits of scenery you can use on the other ones as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, thinking about the the contents then, so the Kanothi, because you've obviously already mentioned them, what would you like to see? Because obviously we hope that they're going to move into Age of Sigmar. What would I like to see come out of Kanothi for Age of Sigmar? Yeah. Orion. Orion, yeah. <laughs> they all look <laughs> like him. They're like little fawn people, and they're all like one of them. The guy who's yeah. the 
centaur, yeah. his name is like a huntsman or something, and they're all about that. Like, I'm already going to buy them, and I'm going to paint them up as little Orions. They're all going to have green skin. They're going to look like Orion did in the old world. And then I hope that if that translates to the mortal realms, kind of what the Wood Elves were would have been revisited in that that aspect of life will be the, the Sylvaneth, and that aspect of the hunt will be the Kanofi. Mm. And then they'll be kind of completely redone for Age of Sigma, and then I'll just go nuts, basically. Yeah, <laughs> and I'd love get to as see. Much as I can. But I mean, there have been there's the Avatar of Mathlan, isn't there, for yeah. the Deepkin? I'd love to see some kind of Avatar of the Hunt or of Kurnoff that looks like Orion yeah. appear in the Mortal Realms. It would be incredible. And then I could ally with Tom, who's got some Sylvaneth, and he could be my Age of Sigma wife with Alariel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> could go to a doubles tournament. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'd love to see. I'd love to see Orion like revisited in it with the the same kind of um to the power of type factor that Elariel had. I think in the old world, Orion had a lot of presence, and there's a lot of scope to to do that. I mean, I think what I'm thinking of is some in my mind. If they do it, is something like the Magnus model without the wings. The, oh right, yes, yeah, yeah. Magnus the Red from 40k. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I I I quite like how um they talk about silhouettes, don't they, when they're talking about design, but the silhouette of them is is very dynamic and f- like forward moving, whereas I've always found the Sylvaneth are quite planted. They're very big and <laughs> rugged. That's excellent. They're not going anywhere. No. Mm. The only um, thing about them I don't I'm not a hundred percent keen on is the hair is a bit. I think is a bit weird. Hmm. You've got big sort of bouffants going on. <laughs> wow, it's just a bit wild. It's the wild hair flowing in the wind, Dan. <laughs> it's <laughs> so. Are we going to get bits of twigs sticking out? Are you going to get the beast grave box then, or are you just going to wait and get the ball band at the end? Because it will be a while, won't it? I'm not sure at the moment. It depends on how much it costs and everything like that. Um, yeah, I'd d- certainly be picking up the warband 100%. If, but I'd like to get into um, Underworld, to be honest. So if we could split it, because I'd like the beast now. I think that the war, the, the box set isn't very expensive. Uh, and then if we split it, it's even less expensive. Yeah, but then we only have one set of the rules. But we only play around here anyway. Well, that's true. This isn't good, is it? <laughs> Sold. Sold. <laughs> <laughs> If dance. anyone didn't realise what just happened, that was Dan's entrance into Underworld. <laughs> <laughs> Lightning just went off behind me. <laughs> I think I just heard Harriet like roll over and make a small squeak. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Joshua, it's basics fish fingers again for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go Trek Gurnison. Oh, I just clicked off him. I had him up, didn't I, so we could look at his rules. After I like search through everything, he is a wrecking machine. Absolutely love. He's a bit rude, isn't he? Yeah. Do you think you'll see him a lot in competitive play? No. You say no, but I've been having a little look around, and there's there's an Ideneth Deepkin battalion that lets you take an ally with the Ideneth Deepkin rules. So even before we've looked at the rule scroll and gone through it, basically he can't. He can't teleport and it's difficult to move him and he's a dwarf and he's only got a four inch move. But the deepkin in turn two, they can run and charge. So that gets him where he needs to go. 
So in turn one, you move him or run him, and then in turn, sorry, don't turn one, turn two, you can run and charge him, and then he's like he's halfway across the table, and he's just obliterating whatever you want, basically. He's yeah. very expensive, though. He he could be one of those units that, in fairness, if he gets into combat, just looking at that article where he's wiping out greater demons, um, he's going to be a tough nut to crack, but. I can see players just avoiding him. Feeding him little units. <laughs> just like, oh, you are go, go track, have 10 skeletons. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think... Yeah, yeah just put him in a tar pit and run Yeah, away but it's, it's not about that, though, Ben. It's about rule of cool, isn't it? And he's the coolest. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, will, I will buy him and I will play him just because I love him. Absolutely. But I, I think the fact that they've made him match play does make me sort of want to work out how to beat him basically just don't fight him right my, my match play army is um oryx so i think i might just feed him a unit of our boys and <laughs> it's um, <laughs> and then leave him i there. suppose the interesting thing though is although you say you know just ignore him because age of sigmar is largely objective based if he's on an objective, then exactly. you can't ignore him. If, if, if he's on, he could essentially almost take an objective out of the game by being stood on it or, or put it to you. Mm. So you, it becomes one that you don't need to worry about because you've got Gotrek sat yeah. on it. Mm. <laughs> Just ready to slay everything. Although, yeah, I, oh, I don't know, actually. I know. It's number of models, isn't it? So if, but the thing is, even if you had a massive horde going against Gotrek, you still favour Godrek. He wiped out a whole unit of Grots in yeah. one go. Yeah, but then what you could do is if Godrek sat on the objective... You could be three inches away from him and still hold the objective. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, but you could do that with three units of ten models. Mm. And so he could go and kill one unit, but you still hold the objective. Then he'd go mm. and kill another and still hold the objective. Do it that way. Yeah, but, but what would be cool is just to have Godrek build a cool piece of scenery, which was like a pass... And just have Ben's whole army come down the pass. <laughs> and just have Gotrek stood in the middle of the pass. I was just trying to get... Just, I am entirely Just say there's a that. massive gale, yeah. so like arrows can only shoot at like 12-inch range or something. Not that Ben would sit back and shoot him anyway, because that would be lame. Dude, we have to do that in our November <laughs> We should, meetup, we should totally should, not happen. we? Yeah. yeah. We'll call it Gotrek's Alive. That's what we'll call the game. <laughs> Yeah, I'm well up for that. Oh, I've got a game sorted for our yes. November weekend away. Oh, have you? Yeah, I've kind of come up with like a backstory and stuff. And oh, I'm, sweet. I'm ready to, ready to go with that. I'm just building some scenery for it. You're building some scenery for it. Yeah, sweet. That's so nice. cool. Right, it's going to be good. So I, I maybe we'll talk about it in November or something. But it's going to be a narrative game played across three realms with three simultaneous games going on, and they all affect each other in some way. Sweet. That sounds amazing. That does sound amazing. I love the idea. What scenery are you building for? Don't want to say. Oh, this is sweet. You don't want to say. Oh, it's going to be a That's surprise. That's exciting, isn't it? Yes. But it is, it is going to... The only thing I'll say about it is that it is going to be a little nod and a sort of last hurrah to the, to the units that we have lost this year. Oh. Well, that's very exciting. That is very exciting. I like that. I like that. I'm pretty excited about that. Me too. Might have to paint some more Age of Sigmar. Good. Damn it, in the last segment I was like, right, I'm going to be painting Apocalypse. And in this segment I've gone through Underworlds and back to Age of Sigmar again. It doesn't matter what you say you're going to paint. <laughs> you just get out some blood letters and paint them and that's it. Yeah. 
That's fine. Well, in fairness, you could use them for both. So. Yeah, that's true. They are multi- yeah. not so good for aeronautica, though. <laughs> <laughs> ah! <laughs> Stick some wings on them. You could actually. That would be fine, actually, because you could just summon them in front of a plane and then they'd go through the intakes and it would crash, wouldn't it? Wouldn't even need to fight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you say ground units aren't great in an air game, but what about that scene in Rocky where the tank and the helicopter collide? <laughs> well, Rocky, and also... Rocky, what are you talking about? Not, Rambo. Not, yeah, 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 and also there's the A-Team, mm-hmm. where they fly the tank by firing its cannon and using <laughs> the uh, the recoil to push the tank in the direction they want to go. If you don't attach a Hawk widget to one of your tanks... Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's what I'll have to do now. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Mm. That'd be great. Um, okay, cool. So we covered Go Track, we covered Beast Grave, which is out next weekend. Um, any more mortal perils to cover off? We played a game. We did play a game. We did play a game, didn't we? Um, we played Places of Arcane Power. Yeah, we did. And because Age of Sigma takes too long to play at 2000 points, it takes ages of Sigma. Yes. Um, we played. <laughs> 2,500 points to yeah, see how long we yeah. could stretch it out. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, we, it, it, was took, it was ridiculous. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't get to turn four, did we? No, but that was because I conceded. Yeah, I know that. But it was <laughs> Is also that what like, you were trying to say? Is that like a segue into No, it? no. But it was also because it was like quarter past 11 and we'd got to big at like half six. Yeah. <laughs> what were we doing? <laughs> it was good though. Those, um, those dudes with scythes... The Kernoff Hunters. Kernoff Hunters. Don't like them. Can't have them. Ne- <laughs> next year's survey. <laughs> Overpowered. Overpowered. That's going in. Kernoff <laughs> Hunters. Um, the only thing we haven't spoken about is the new... The Bone Collector they revealed, didn't they, for us out Bone Reapers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm quite keen to talk about that that sculpt. Yes. Um. Yeah. Is that because he has a skeleton as a penis? Exactly that. Because he has a boner. <laughs> <laughs> Collecting up the bones. I think oh the model is an ace, but that is just weird, isn't it? If you could create yourself out of bones, you wouldn't put that there. You wouldn't put a guy's face there. You'd make some kind of you know ridiculous know, monstrosity. It, it would be pretty funny. <laughs> Well, maybe they've got a sense of humor. They're all, they are all <laughs> grinning, aren't they? Insanely. They are all <laughs> grinning insanely. Maybe that's just seen maybe him maybe that's the horizon. That. <laughs> that's, that's why they've got a big grin on. <laughs> ah, maybe he didn't decide it. Maybe it's like one of the necromancer type guys <laughs> made him like that as punishment, and that's why they're laughing at him. <laughs> Could you imagine? Because they are like. <laughs> Their souls bound to them, aren't they? So I wonder if yeah. they know if they're going into it, and he's like, he's drawn a short straw, and they're just like, <laughs> right. Everybody, draw- who gets who gets a face for a penis? A straw, a straw time. Do oh you think goodness. that it's one soul, or do you think the, the the guy that is the penis is another soul, and that is his punishment that forever he has to be <laughs> the penis that picks up the bones. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, <laughs> I actually think that probably is the case. In the, it, I do too, In the background, that's the thing, isn't it? They bind multiple souls. It's such a shame because it's a cool idea that he's the guy that gets the bones that create the constructs. And I really like that idea. Just... <laughs> Sorry. 
Yeah. <laughs> Might have to leave that bit what off. What children we are. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just know as soon as I play someone who collects them, I'm just going to pass out laughing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, what do you think of the uh, the Bone Reaper guys, apart from the guy, that guy? I think... I always say that I wait to see them in the flesh before I make a decision on the sculpts. Obviously, we don't know too much about the rules. I think the sculpts are interesting. They don't look like your kind of typical undead. I think, you know, one thing that, that struck me is that they've all got noses. But if you're undead, obviously, like, your skeleton won't have a nose. But they've kind of built themselves to look more human, I suppose. But then also gone crazy with, like, forearms and, and things. They're just flipping mental. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but if I was if I was a warrior, I think having an extra set of arms to do double the amount of damage would might be something I would consider. Oh yeah, they they're built with that in mind, aren't they? So I, those forearm things, um, which again I, I'd like to see in the flesh, but I do love the fact that they have got four heads, but but like they've got one head yeah. but with four faces, and they've got four souls. Like those things from trans trans. Yeah, and they've got they've got four souls. And then, depending on what fighting yeah. style they want, they switch souls. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And there's, I was trying to tell Ben about this, and I've looked it up, and I can't bloody find it. But there's, there's some kind of, I don't know if it's a computer game or a film, but there's like a stone golem monster, and like they, they blow off its face with guns, and then its face like spins around, and it's got a new face, and it keeps fighting. And I cannot think where I've seen that, but that's the sort of thing it. Makes me think of. I love I that. Know, it hark for me as a you know go back to the sort of wanderers and wood elves. It harks back to what dryads were like in fifth mm. edition, where they'd fight with different aspects and yeah. they'd have different kind of seasons and things that they would fight in. Yeah, and war dances used to be a bit like that, didn't they? Yeah, and it's nice to see that yeah. kind of rule coming coming back into Age of Sigmar because it's, you know you don't know what you're going to come up against. I think they have started to sort of drip that in, like the um, the Namati thralls. Yeah. Their their weapon is good against individual models and monsters, but it's I think it's cooler in a way that they change their face and change their soul and then become some like new entity. I think that's just yeah. It's brilliant. You can always trust the background writers to come up with something awesome. I think what is cool is that it it depends on how the 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 rule works in the game, but you could end up going up against a unit and having no idea what that unit is is set to do. If you so you you know you might put your infantry towards it, thinking that oh it's set to do with monsters or vice versa, and and then I think it adds a little bit of surprise into you it. You know what too, to do in that case, than, Ben? Shoot it. Sit back. Yeah, and shoot, shoot it yeah. dead. <laughs> but I'm I'm an Iron Jaws player, Dan. I don't have that option. I have to run and hit it in the face. <laughs> but you're very good at doing that, so it's fine. You could just stomp it to death 27 times. Ideally. At the foot of Gork. Yeah. Didn't you? I hope that that's... I hope that that's back. With a lower casting level. Yeah. That would be awesome. At least you can have plenty of Orcs. Should we round it off there then, chaps? I think so. And head our way over into the community. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us, Dan. It's been awesome having you on. It's been yeah, it's been it's a pleasure. Thank you, you very much, guys. You are most welcome. Um, and I'll try and put some pictures up on the on the Facebook page of our game and on the the two piece hobby forum of that game we played. 
Yeah, that'd be good. That would be that'd cool. Be very good. Yeah. For those for those of you who do follow us on social media, um, Dan has very kindly agreed to help us out with some of the posts on Age of Sigma. Um, if it's him, he'll identify himself, so you'll know it's him. But um, it's really awesome to have him along because. Quite frankly, he understands the rules a lot better than either of us do. So. You say that, um, and and whilst in theory it is fine, but we do have an ongoing joke, don't we? That we've played fantasy and Age of Sigmar for for years and years and years, and yet the most basic things come up, and we're like, don't know, <laughs> just look in the book. <laughs> well, four pages was too much to begin with, and now it's even longer. It's I just, know, you know what's going on. It's bad. They cut it back a bit. Yeah, goodness me. Anyway, uh, with that in mind, let's head into the community. Hail, glorious community. What a band of fighter aces you are. I'm in the mood, dude. <laughs> I'm in the aeronautica mood. Um, guys, thank you for joining us in the community section of the two Ps. Um, as ever, we will be shouting out some cool Instagram stuff, talking about the glorious hobby group, which is glorious because of you guys, um, doing a yeah, bit of a focus is. on some events. Yeah, it is. Yeah, almost as glorious as Ben's beard, that is. Mm. Um, almost. Um, yeah. Weird. Um, <laughs> awkward. <laughs> awkward. Uh, talking, talking a bit about events, particularly from uh, Curtain Games, because those guys have been fantastic supporting some of the competitions and stuff we've been doing. So we'll be uh, taking a look at some of their events and talking a bit about where do you buy your miniatures? Where do we buy ours? Um, and there's a competition winner. There is there, a competition you? winner. Yeah. Ooh. Love a bit of a competition so, winner. Let's get started after I've decided to do a mini intro. Um, yeah, that's there. good. I have, yeah. If, if you like that, if you like the mini intros, do say. Um, I'll do some more. Um, I've I've actually forgotten the first. Oh, that's it. <laughs> Shout outs. <laughs> so, continuing on the professional vein, Ben. Yeah. Instagram. Um. Well, the, the wider hobby community that eventually or inevitably seems to end up being Instagram, mainly because that's where I scroll through pictures because i'm simple when it comes to social media i like scrolling through pretty pictures and picking them out um i think you could have finished just at simple yeah, that's fair you didn't need to add social media but um so the two things that have caught my eye like massively over the last two weeks um are a post um by um a chap who his tag is prominusive i wish tags were easy to say um <laughs> Uh, prom inusive, <laughs> prom inusive, um, and it's a conversion of the Sisters of Silence uh, with swords and shield, um, and heads look like they're from uh, Victoria Games, I think. Uh, I think I've recognised them from mm-hmm. Victoria Games. Um, they are absolutely superb. He's done them for forty k. Um, there's some Sisters of Battle ones in there as two, I think, but perhaps it's quite... It's, oh, yes. Um, they are 
Um, he's done the 40k, and but they could they could so easily, so easily be like um, a, a Cities of Sigma unit. They are just they're just wonderful. They're absolutely wonderful. I love the the kind of cross hatching and Templar like shields that they've got. Um, I love the color choices of purple, um, gold, and then red and black on the sort of um, heraldry. Uh, but the the red being sort of the, the same purpley red as the cloaks, I just I just they're such a neat little unit all tied together, and I can just see them in forty k and Age of Sigma. They really they capture my imagination so well. I think they're an excellent unit, really do. Um, as a sort of general thing with him, he does lots of Imperial Guard conversions. For example, he's, he's converted Empire State troops to have. Um, an imperial guard kind of look going on, um, and the the Vanator five hundred and first is his guard. Regiment. It is. Um, oh, mate, this guy is fantastic. Look, he's he's even done like um, his, a scenery piece of one of them as a statue yep. in the middle of a, a of a fountain. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's excellent, isn't it? Um, yeah, re- really, an awesome hobby project. And it's it's been going for a while. The the force is significant. Um, he's also part of that little crew that I really enjoy um, following, which is um, taking the Dark Imperium cards with the Blanche um, drawings on and converting models based on the card. I really love that. Um, and he's done an ace job with the ones that he's done. So, yeah. Not only has he got some fantastic models, there's some really excellent scenery in there too. Um, an excellent page to follow. So I, I would suggest that people go down and have a look and see what they think because I think they're going to be pleasantly surprised. Also really nice to see a lot of interaction. So people asking questions and he's coming back to them with uh, with how he's done yeah. things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's always I think, nice. I think that is always nice. And it's, um, it's something that we try to do an awful lot because... Um, I think it's I think it's important, and I think you know there's a lot there that I'd love to know how he's done, and you don't want to bombard people with questions. But when you ask, when you really want to know something, and someone answers, it's really cool. So cheers for that. Um, yeah, so that's number one. I think that's um, Ace. I'll just read it out again so people know who he is. Promin Usiv, all one word: P R O M I N U S I V. That of course will be in the show notes and on Podbean. We put all the tags and we, you know, we put it on the show releases and everything, so people will be able to find it. No problem at all. You're um, you're looking at things, aren't you, on your screen? I am. Yeah. Why? Because I keep making faces at you, thinking I'm being really funny, and you're not reacting. And it's just kind of dawned on me that it's because you're not actually looking at me. I am now. Because I've I've got you on my um iPad, so I've got the computer and the iPad, so I'm sat here like going, ooh, making <laughs> stupid faces just to myself. Well, I'm going to try and keep the screen of you open so I can see you making an ass of yourself then. <laughs> Number two, um, Will Brightly. Will is a local to us. Um, his kind of main hobby centre is um, at Games Workshop Truro. He uh, was their finalist for um, the what on earth was they did they call it? 
the big competition. Oh, this is terrible. I'm sorry, guys. It's late and I've had a long day at work. Ever chosen? Ever chosen? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, he was their finest for ever chosen, and um, he made it into the top 100. So congratulations, Will. It's an awesome achievement, and your Oric is fantastic. Um, he's got loads of awesome stuff on there. Um, I, I enjoy his style of painting. It's ace. Um, and he's a really nice guy. And again, one that will happily, you know, chat to you and, um, I give, you know, give you pointers and tips if you want to chat to him. Um, what he's done recently is really caught my eye. Um, I have seen bases and then there's, there's bases and, Will is on the latter, like it's bases underlined with an exclamation mark with his most recent work. It's a base for a lizardman warrior. I don't know who, what company that's from. It's quite a cool one. Um, not not seen it before, but he's built a base for it, a, a jungle base, and it is whopping and superb. And the cool thing about Will is he posts sort of step by steps. Um, which are really helpful if you're trying to sort of emulate his work. Um, so I really would recommend that you know, if anyone's interested in basing, like particularly display basing, they have a proper look at that. But you know, his his model painting that itself is, insane. Is, is, is is exceptional too. <laughs> so um, well worth having a look at. So that's my two, dude. That is fantastic. Excellent. Okay, so um, as ever, it is my pleasure to discuss our own hobby group um and what i do because i've ah there it is i write it down in my book and i've lost my book so i've just found it it's okay we're all right normal um professionalism is resumed (laughs) so (laughs) the um the first thing i wanted to shout out and it almost makes me feel sick to do this but i will do it nonetheless you can do it is an absolutely Awesome <laughs> Space Wolf Dreadnought. Yay! It's flipping amazing. <laughs> yeah, so I'm ever so sorry, dude, if I get if I pronounce your name wrong. If you've um listened to the podcast thus far, you'll know pronunciation's not my thing anyway. Um but uh, so it's Nanda Vermulen and it's his um Space Wolf Dreadnought. Absolutely cracking. Really love it. I love the darker grey. I really like Obviously, he's used the uh, the 30k transfers. What one of one of the best um, Redemptor dreadnoughts I've seen. I think he's got a really good pose going on. Really good amount of weathering. I mean, you must love it. I dude. do. I really like it. I mean, he posted it on the forum to ask um, whether he, we felt that the, the 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 weathering was too much. Well, no, it's not. It looks amazing. If it, the style of you're going for is that some that dreadnought has been wading into battle. You've done it. It looks amazing. Really, really like it. What's really nice as well is that a lot the weathering is focused on the front. Yes, of of the miniature. Yeah. Um. You know, especially a lot of the the chipping and um, scratching is is all on the front of the miniature, which I think is ace. Yeah. Really nice little bit of um, OSL in in the corner, top corner there, where the where the light is. Yeah. Um. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Really massive thanks for posting that, and and really look forward to seeing some more, some more of that force. Um, that'd be really good. So well done, very nice. And um, 
and then and I, and I have shouted out uh, shouted out Simon before, um, but I shall do so again because he he creates cool stuff. So Simon, um, Roger, Brian, Andrews, uh, some awesome. Uh, it reminds me of you, dude. Some retro goblins yeah. from Quest. They're next on um, my list as well, so it's been really inspirational for me. Yeah, I love him. I, I think he's done the Troll Slayer as well. Is it the Troll Slayer? Was that Simon? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's yeah, he's done yeah. the he's done a lot of the um doing it all of the Warhammer Quest box, original Warhammer Quest box. He's done all the characters. Yeah, I, I love it. Spiders and bats, and now he's done the orcs and goblins. Um, you can't be far off finishing it actually now. To be honest, no, no, not at all. So um, yeah, so a couple of really nice things. I mean, to be fair, I was saying to Ben again. Some great stuff, really, really great stuff, guys. Thank you so much for being active and posting and commenting. Um, always means loads to people when they get some comments. Um, and I love people starting their posts with some taglines. Uh, hail to the community, I've seen. Hail, grab some refreshments. Uh, it's fantastic. Yeah. It just makes me chuckle, which <laughs> is great. Um, so finally, uh, on the hobby group, do need to announce the winner of August's painting competition. Um, bit more of a challenging one, that one, with, with terrain. So we had four pretty awesome entries, actually. To yeah, be fair. they were really, really good. Them. Yeah, they were really good. Um, the winner is, uh, is Tim, uh, Tim Barkley and his rather fantastic treehouse. I, I love it. It's ace, isn't it? It, it's like it's yeah yeah it really is um and, and they're they're all they're all good entries but that one is is i think the fact that it's scratch built uh um as well has really played in its favor but it just looks fantastic mm. just looks really cool um i think is that a washing line on the front with a little pair of pants on it yeah <laughs> it's so good yeah, so so that's fantastic, mate. Really nice, and and thanks to all, all all four of you guys that that got involved and entered because that was a big project. Um, Ian did his entire war cry scenery, but <laughs> no. uh, which is fantastic. Ian just just powers through uh, stuff. Very very impressive. Very impressive. Um, but yeah, re- really good. So thank you very much for that. Um, the theme for this month is wings of glory so i wonder why who who what on earth, who on earth has influenced that <laughs> so in truth anything that flies is fair game for this month um so yeah uh, please do get get the stuff you're working on up there in fact i will get a post up um for for a sort of an update post um of the wings of glory i'm I'm terrible, aren't I? Really, I just lose everything. I know that there's a. Did I put it up as an announcement? Who knows? Who knows? How many announcements are there? One, just one. <sighs> no, then. Oh well. Oh, hang on. No, right. I'm going to sort that out. <laughs> Good job, Dan. I will sort that out. Good job. Good job. <laughs> on it. On it as well. On it. The as finest always. of social so, um, media operators. <laughs> I am. I am. The elite of the elite. So, moving into events then. Yeah. Oh. Mr. Hall. So, um, we've chosen, um, 
to focus uh, our events stuff uh, on our good friends at Curtain on this episode. Uh, Really, as as a massive thanks to them. So we have recently announced uh, the winner of the three monthly competition, Rob, um, for the hobby group. And we will be doing the same, uh, putting up the post again for for the three again soon and that is supported by curtain so thank you very much to those guys um really nice of them to get involved and, and help us build in our hobby community um so ben what have curtain got going on what is the excitement so i'm going to focus on um, october and september well we'll start with september um but there's one there's one key event that i want to give a shout out um for a bit a bit later in the year too um so september the 28th we've got star wars legion ground assault tournament also on September the 28, 28th, 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 is uh, X-Wing The Road to Worlds Extended. Um, and on the 29th, The Throne of Eldraine Sunday pre-release, which I believe is um, Magic the Gathering. So that's a pretty busy weekend for the guys down there. Um, and then first week of October, um, October the 5th, you have Catonian Carnage, which is their regular um, 40k tournaments. And um, that is on October the 5th. Moving forward all the way to December, though, we have something that I'm really excited about. On December the 7th, they've got the Sigma First Blood. Um, and this is a really big event. They've decided to um, do it in the same place that they ran the X-Wing Regionals um, when they did it last year. Um, so it's a local um, hall much more room and they've got I think it's 60 spaces and they are they are going fast um so it's going to be a really big event and um if it's if there's a lot of interest they've they're even thinking of, of putting a 40k tournament alongside it um these these events only happen if people support them um I can't stress that enough really because you know I hear a lot of people saying, oh, there's not much of an active community for my game. Insert that, whatever that is. Um, you've got to, you kind of got to make it happen. You know, you've got to attend the tournaments. You've got to um, attend the events and, and do your best to do that. And I, I know how hard that is. But for Age of Sigma, December the 7th, that, that's a big, big tournament. And really, if you're interested in competitive gaming for Age of Sigma at all, I would really encourage people to make make an effort to go to that because if we can get a regular massive tournament like that, at least annually, if not a little bit more often, then the Age of Sigma community is just going to build, become stronger and stronger. Um, this will be this will come out unfortunately after the next event. I'm going to shout out comes out, which is Simon's Scouting for Shadegrass, which is this weekend, unfortunately. Um, so um that's been running Bobmin and uh just you know a kind of retrospective hope that went really well dude because um it would be cool to have like a, a big scene further down here in the south or the underworld stuff too. So so there we go. That's my little shout outs. Good. So um that leads us nicely on uh to talking about a little bit of um a little bit of bad news I suppose really. Yeah. Which is that um, sadly, Terra Games in Newton Abbott have ceased trading. Um, such a shame, really, because I, I visited the venue 
and it was a re- really nice venue. Yeah. Um, and I think it it just it's a reminder really that you use it, use it or lose it. Um, and I think perhaps controversially, I'd take this point just to just to say like, don't kid yourselves. Just going is not enough. Doesn't pay the bills. Um, and and what I mean by that is, if you are getting something, some real value from your local game store, please support them. Please support them with whatever it in whatever way you can. Yeah. Uh, and you know, if that's helping out with running stuff, etc., that's good. But but just don't don't lose sight of the fact that that most of these places there are very few that will be in a comfortable cash flow situation. So if you've got a a hobby budget, a disposable income, and you want to keep using that place, not saying that you have to, you don't have an obligation to them. They need to give you a service. They need to it needs to be worth your while to go there. Um but if you do and you want to keep doing that, please use that hobby budget in that shop in that store or on those events because if you don't it won't it won't stay turning up and sitting and painting and then leaving and buying your models somewhere else is not going to help that shop um and we you know having worked for games workshop we saw that saw that all the time and it is different for games workshop store in in many respects, it's, it's because it is some part of something. Not a hundred percent different though, because if no, a, no. If a what, store what? is getting a lot of custom through the door, they can employ more staff members, put on more events, do all sorts of stuff. They're not going to be able to do yeah. that if they're just making their target. So it's, it does include games workshop stores as well. If you're turning up to vets night and you're painting in their table, you know, have a think about it. Because you'll make your, you'll make your yes. store better by investing in it, whatever it is. But yeah, primarily your local friendly local gaming store that we're talking about. But I think it it it's worth saying. Um, and Ben and I have discussed at length um, how we would like to deal with talking about where we buy our miniatures because we've chosen very early on not to be sponsored as such. Um, we've wanted to be able to support the community and a broad range of people and the people that, that kind of support the hobby, the community and what we, we're trying to achieve, um, which has given us pause. But I think the overriding thing for us is we try to buy our miniatures from somewhere that we get some, our hobby benefits from where we buy our miniatures and for some people that is conversations and lessons so i often will go and visit garant in games workshop in cribs and i know i can buy stuff cheaper but i will go there because i love chatting to gare and, and actually when i'm struggling or i'm or i'm not not quite firing on all cylinders for for my uh for my latest project if i go and chat to gare it it, it all comes back mm. Um, he's a positive guy, and um, he, he's a positive guy with a with a realistic outlook about a hobby terrible as well, view on spacewalks. Really though his opinion on spacewalks is shocking. His his opinion on spacewalks is perfect, spot on, <laughs> spot on. So um, and a great painter. And then I I've recently started visiting 
the Bristol store a bit more. Um, because I really like speaking to Jay. And I don't go there often because Bristol... I don't like going into the centre of Bristol, if I'm honest. No one does, mate. Um, but, I, <laughs> no. but I get a lot from popping in to see Jay because he's he's a positive guy. Um, I go down to Big and I, and I buy stuff in Big because actually... I use the gaming area. Um, So, but conversely, interestingly, then you look at it and you say, well, what about online? So Ben is not particularly near. I'm not not near anything, really. I'm the closest to me. is is Mad for Miniatures and St. Orstall. Yeah, which is still... Not on the door. I mean, I expect to, if we've got people listening from the states yeah. and stuff, it, it they think, oh, well, what are you talking about? It is on the doorstep, but it's not on the doorstep. So actually, the thing that gives you, perhaps supports your hobby the most is is being able to buy more miniatures, mm. um, and that's where our next point comes in. So so when we were thinking about online, we were looking around, and there's a chap called Simon um, who. I suppose we want to put our a little bit put our flag in the ground and say actually if you're looking if what you need for your hobby is to get your miniatures at the best possible price you can um, with cracking customer and service with cracking customer <clears throat> service then where we're at is is we think from our experience that Simon um is, is spot on so Simon it operates a lot through the greetings from the warp group which you can find on facebook who is but, also an awesome community just for the record which is also an awesome community <laughs> but but ultimately so simon is svg hobby and games um and if you drop him an email svg hobby and games at outlook.com he will add you to a mailing list and every saturday that mailing list comes out and he sells um over 1300 of the games workshop lines at 25 percent off um, you do have postage, so you still have to do your postage on that, um, and it's all done through it's done through PayPal. So it is different. It's not it's not um, not like going on a store, but oh my goodness, his customer service is is unbelievable. And also, he doesn't with that discount. He, he has a he 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 has um, a day job. Um, his m- big motivation for doing. <clears throat> this is making things more accessible and i don't know maybe one day he'd like to, to, it to be something more um but the accessibility from the great customer service and the great prices is very good um and i think it's just we just wanted to put it out there really yeah. um because we've both had great experiences um we've had great experiences and poor experiences in lots of different places where you buy miniatures um, I, I've been into places where I felt actively discouraged from making <laughs> purchases, yeah. um, as well. And I am very finicky with it. I, I admit that I'm very finicky with it sometimes because I've, I've, I'm, I've done good customer service, uh, and I expect it. And so I've, um, I've rambled on a bit there. <clears throat> ben, do you, would you like to add to my? My long, yeah, I, I I would. I think um, I think when it comes to, I think what we're getting at here, and it is, we've maybe beaten around the bush a little bit, but um, supporting your local gaming store is so important. 
if they're giving something back, then I think building communities, bu- building local communities makes this hobby so much better. Um, and that can be in a local gaming club or a local hobby store, however you do it. Um, now, I-, I would echo what you say absolutely with Simon. Um, from the moment I've started dealing with him, um, he's made, he- he's been fantastic. And um, I would, I, you know, would encourage you to follow what the email that Dan said and have you know, get in contact because um, it's a top dude and provides great service. Yeah, so, good. Okay, so <coughs> in a summary, much like your chipping summary, um, there are options depending on what you need. Um, but if you don't support the thing that's giving you what you need with your hobby budget, don't be surprised when it isn't there anymore. Yeah. Is uh it's the sum total of it, isn't it? It is absolutely, yeah. Okie dokie. So that was uh a bit a bit more deep and thinky as again. Um That's because we were really that, sad about it, man. I I mean I was gutted yeah. when I saw that Terra was gone, I was absolutely gutted because you you went there and saw the store and it was really nice. But I chatted to them a fair bit online. They're really nice people and the community buzzes. It's just a shame, you know. It's a real shame, and I, I hate seeing great hobby stores go because um, there's so much great hobby in the southwest of England, and it is a bit of an isolated geographical place because um, the roads aren't great and it's all spread out in a great big long line. But you know, if we can create those communities, then all all the better, really. Absolutely. Okay, so um, with that all in mind, it is time for us to go to the wild places. Born to be wild. That's as much as you get out of me. Thank goodness for that. Hi guys, and uh, welcome to the final section of the podcast. Um, it's uh, Into the Wilds this fortnight. We try and alternate between um, Lord of the Rings, um, and which is our kind of favourite small game outside of the main GW range, and um, all the other stuff, which is vast. There's so many things going on, it's, it's almost impossible to keep up with. Um, and in fact... We were having a good old chat about it on painting night this week, Dan, about like how the choice has just become it's just become so so much from so many places, um, that it's it's really difficult to have your finger mm. in a lot of pots. Um if you collect War Machine or Malifaux or Guild Ball or you know, you're into Marvel and you like the Marvel games coming out or Fallout or the the list goes on and on and on, and that's not even including the dozens of other smaller games that are starting to make a name for themselves. Um, it It's really hard to keep up with. So we try our best and we, we bring the things that, that have caught our eye and our little bimblings around. Um, invariably, that doesn't tend to be things like how games, because it's difficult for a game set of game rules to catch our eye. But if um, people have played a decent set of game rules that they really like and it's like it's the sort of thing we, we could shout out in into the wilds 
then we'd very much like to hear about it because um, there's some great stuff coming out and we'd like to put a spotlight on as much of it as we can. Is that fair to say? It certainly is, buddy. Yeah, I think, um, like you say, there is just so much out there. Um, It's quite nice to see some stuff still going strong, Um, Mm. especially a year or two ago, we seemed to lose three or four quite high profile um, companies quite quickly. Um, So it's good. Yeah, I mean, one of one of the local companies that we've shouted out a few times just because their products are really amazing and they they're doing a good job of picking up smaller systems and models ranges that um and working with bigger companies is TT Combat which is local to where I work actually just down the road and they're doing a fantastic job of um building that business so you know hats off to them anytime you want to build a store so I can go in and buy a shizzle off the shelf <laughs> that would be awesome um because i like browsing design um yeah so <laughs> on the vein of <laughs> on the vein of mdf scenery um i've chosen to track about to chat about a company that um has caught my eye because it's aimed at um quite specific environments that often you don't see so one of them is uh is what they call Wild West Exodus. I don't often see Wild West stuff kicking around. Um, and there's they've got a little game system that goes with that. Um, but what I'm really excited about is they've got some new ranges coming out. Um, the, the first one is, I think, really cool post-apocalyptic-y looking stuff. They're like fairground rides and... Um, uh, like little kind of booths for a fair. I love in the idea of like building a uh, like a fairground for like Fallout or something using it because I think like with moss hanging down and it looking proper rusty. Um, I think that would look amazing. Mm. I have a There's feeling something... that that concept is is linked in with the Batman game. Yeah, I mean the the Killing Joke. Mm. Is what it might be what they're aiming at, but um, they call it Funland, and there's a Ferris wheel, there's a little kind of um, roller coaster, uh, and a few other things. It's got silly faces and and um, kind of American style games that you would see in a, a fun fair. I think it's. I'm really excited about the, the Ferris wheel. Yeah. For part of for part of a post apocalyptic board. And what's really wicked about it is the price is it is so reasonable. It's eighteen pounds for the Funland Ferris wheel. Um, the second range that they're bringing out, which um, they seem to be pushing it through um, Wayland Games, um, the second range that they're bringing out is is called uh, for my very slow computer called Gloomberg, and it is m- more the Malifaux more time style of building so um they've done a cottage they've done a blacksmith they've done a manor they've done a windmill which is just superb um they've done sort of bits and bobs um like a, a drinking trough for there's a animals. well in there as well yeah and, and carts and crates um and then they've done practically the whole range again but ruined um 
So you could have it so that the board was being destroyed as well, which I really like the idea of. There's so many ways you could use it. Um, again, there's two things that stand out for this for me. The detail is bonkers good. Um, it looks like it comes a little bit pre-shaded colour-wise, but it's, it's so cheap for what it is. It's unbelievable. The manor is £14, Dan. <laughs> and that's just insane. Um, the, the windmill is £16. Um, and it's quite a substantial building um, with loads of details in there. Um, now, one of the things I hear a lot of people say when we're talking about MDF and we get feedback about it is, yeah, MDF is really good, but it just looks like MDF. At the end of the day, you can't escape the fact that it's built out of sheet wood. Now, one of the things that's been on these guys' website and Facebook page, um, War Cradle Facebook page, is um, a guy that I follow a little bit on um, YouTube. So it's a little bit of a community shout-out to, uh, called Black Magic Craft. Um, they sent the old mill to him... And the end result is just quite simply amazing. <laughs> um, so there's two things that you get out of that. Firstly, look at how good it can be. Um, and secondly, there's actually a video out there by this dude about how to do it and make an MDF piece of scenery look like a proper thing, you know, something that you would have on your table and be proud of. I've always felt with MDF that it's... On its own, it it might not be the perfect medium, but when you start adding things in, like what he's done is to put cloth wrapped around the windmill sort of oh, sails. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Tissue paper or whatever to, to make it look like that they were there, and he's put moss and all sorts of other stuff. Uh, it's... Oh, blimey, yes. You see what I mean? So oh he's goodness. used yeah, the MDF as, as, as a kind of skeleton to create something outstanding. Um, and I think that, that that, for me, watching that, and I only got halfway through um, before life took over again, um, and I'll be watching the end of it, but from what I've got for it, it is totally and utterly pinned now on my, when you get your MDF scenery out, I am going to watch this, because it, it would help immensely on how to imagine what you can make your stuff look like. So there's a bit of a community shout-out to an awesome hobbyist there, but also a huge shout-out to War Cradle for producing the quality kits. And also TT Combat, because they're bringing out some... We've we shouted them out, not the last episode, episode before. Um, really quality kits for very reasonable prices that I think are well worth looking at. If you're... Um, ways you could use these kits. I mean, we've already spoke about Fallout, and we spoke about Mordheim, Malifaux, Warcry, um, the stuff that TT Combat is very in keeping with the Warcry stuff. You could set up some properly nice boards using this for a very reasonable price. I think you could fill out a board with excellent scenery for 100 quid. Mm. No problem at all. No problem at all. So that's um, that's my first one. Um, do you have any MDF scenery um, manufacturers that like tickled your fancy over the last month or two, Dan? Because they're it's a growth market, isn't it? Really? Yeah, I think. I, I think 
that is really eye-opening, <laughs> isn't it? That yeah, picture, it is, isn't it? That picture of that windmill, if you showed me that and you asked me to tell you what that was made out of, I would have said that was scratch-built. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, and I recognise that some bits of it are scratch-built, like he's added a different base and stuff on, but that is really interesting because I think one of the things I see quite a lot is where you see people, MDF companies, trying to make stuff out of MDF that just... It, it's just not suited for. Um, no, yeah. But that is quite incredible. <laughs> mm. it, it is. It really is. And you could look at stuff like your foreground scenery with new eyes, I should imagine, that just with a little bit of extra work, you can turn it into something But interestingly, awesome. you see, with the foreground, you're already paying a premium price to try and get closer to the finished product. So yeah. I'd actually, if I was going to do work to it, I I would prefer to go for something like this. More bare bones. Yeah. yeah. And actually, it's the first time that I felt that way because generally I'm not a fan. I'm, I'm a big fan of foreground stuff because I think it it's just on a different level. But I've never been a massive fan of MDF. But that is, that is pretty awesome, <laughs> isn't it? It really is, yeah. It really, really is. Um, what um, what I would like to talk about at some point in this little section is our little role play group. Yeah. So, Ross from House of Chaos Games, um, has been GMing a a role playing group for us using the Pathfinder system, um, on on Wednesdays or Thursday nights every other week or and quite regularly for some time now. And it's reignited my love of role-playing. I absolutely adore it. Um, it's such a cool way to sit around with a bunch of mates and spend an evening. And I don't know if well, the, we have listeners I know who role-play, but I, um, I'm finding that it's been a, a really cool way to... Um, Spend some hobby time with Joe. Yeah. Because we, we do paint together on occasion. Um, she's not like a batch painter like me. It's like we're talking about how different people approach their hobby. She's definitely not a sit down for four hours and paint 60 orcs in three weeks kind of, <laughs> kind of painter. Um, but she's a very, very talented model painter. Um, who, uh, what she's working on at the moment is, is streets ahead of what she was working on last time. And then, and I enjoy sitting down and painting with her, but I role playing with her is just an absolute hoot. Um, she, well, in the last session, she tried to rob the blacksmith that was selling her like some weapon that was half the price it should have been. And she was trying to pinch stuff out of his pocket to make it cheaper and failed and ended up getting branded. Um, she accidentally kills everyone we're supposed to save. It's she's just a catastrophe, her character, and it's endless amusement. But what I suppose I wanted to bring out of it is is that is merging role playing into um, other game systems, particularly one that I've been playing with my kids. It's been HeroQuest, yes, which very much plays like a role playing game. You have a games master with a DM screen who's controlling the scenario, and as a result. Um, 
Rules-wise, my little one was my littlest one is four. Was able to pick up exactly what she needed to do. But as soon as I said you're going to move, she'd get the dice and roll her movement dice. She knew what she needed to do. She knew what her goal was, and because she was being led in a role play kind of way, it worked really, really well. Um, and I suppose what I would like to bring out of this is that I know we have people who have families listening to this. It's a big part of what we do. Our families are so important to us and enjoying our hobby with them is a huge deal. And we love it when we see people's um, hobby posts and they've got their kids playing with them or painting with them. That is just wonderful to see. Um, And I just wanted to highlight how useful that kind of game style is for playing the game with kids. Mm. If I was going to teach Tristan to play Age of Sigma, I would probably teach it in a kind of role play way now. So guide him through it. Have a have a, almost have a games master there to sort of guide the game through. Yeah. Until he got yeah. used to it on his own. Um, and playing things like Hero Quest, and um, of course, there's newer games. There's far there's far better or more elaborate newer games. But I think the thing about Hero Quest is that it's really simple, so they actually they get it quite well. Yeah. Um, so that's that. I'm yeah. I'm really enjoying that. I'm thinking of doing a blog of the storyline on our website because it's it's been really cool. That'd be good. Yeah. That'd be very good. I'm a. Do you ever do you ever play Simon the Sorcerer? No. On the PC. No. No. My brother did a lot. He's like a young wizard in a stupid robe. Right. Um. Um. My character is like a. A, a, a bit of a mental case wizard that talks to himself because he's got some. His familiar is actually a a demon who um, got trapped inside his head because of some mistake or something somewhere in his past. Haven't kind of fleshed that bit out, and um, he he ends up talking to himself and arguing with it, and um, wears zany clothes because when he grew up on the street as a street performer, like doing tricks for people to make money. So he's a he's a laugh and completely different from me. <laughs> I always like role playing characters that are completely different from me. Although I do like role playing the odd barbarian, which is much more at home. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a third thing we wanted to talk about. What was that? Well, can, can you, the, you, you were you were wanted to touch on the Kickstarter for the um... oh Hero Quest Kickstarter. Yeah, um, let me bring that up. So I posted out a picture of us playing Hero Quest and Pandemonium Game, miniatures, games, Pandemonium Games, um, said, oh, yeah, I've been trying to replace my models with this range from um, another company. And I will just bring them up because I've played uh, Zealot Lichmire Dungeon. Oh my days! I'm in love with them. They are. They what they're doing is they're replacing the Hero Quest models with newer versions of them, and trying to stay as true to those original models as they can in character and feel. Um, and I think they've done an absolutely fantastic job. Um, the project is on Kickstarter. The company is Zealot Miniatures um, under the Twisting Catacombs kind of main heading but it's called the Lichmere Dungeon and so far they have the four main characters um, 
the you know the barbarian the wizard the dwarf the dwarf looks absolutely fantastic um and the elf and they've also done the orcs and goblins um and the chaos sorcerer the chaos warrior the zombies and the skeletons so and in the background of one of their pictures is what looks to be the gargoyle and fimia so there's the whole range is pre- is pretty much there and i i it's the first Kickstarter I've looked at and I'm very very seriously considering getting the whole set it's interesting they offer the models in three different um yeah uh materials yeah don't they so they you do. Can have so basic standard resin, resin metal white metal and premium resin yeah I do like that chaos warrior yeah and the, the whole set the the full range is it's quite a lot. It's thirty-five miniatures, and it—it's the whole, the whole thing. Um, and that, if you want it in white metal, is one hundred and ninety quid. Uh, I struggling. I love the scenery. Yes, but you, the yeah, the the scenery. Yeah, the the scenery would end up if you wanted to replace the whole board. Yeah, that could be quite a thing, couldn't it? Dude, have you checked out their store? No, not yet. No, because they're I didn't I didn't realize they're not like they're not a new start Kickstarter. No, no, it's just kickstarting this range. Yeah, yeah, that is awesome, mate. You should see their bookcases and things. Yeah, because one of the things that I would really like to do is replace is to get some. Um, you know, get get some role play kind of hero questy scenery to, to you know to replace it. Mate, but... you are gonna go mad when you see this stuff. There's like a well, little campfire and little braziers, and there's even there's a spinning wheel there. That's amazing. Oh, there's a big anvil. Oh. Deary dear, this is amazing. I'm now trying to find where you're looking, dude. I've just gone to their shop. If you scroll all the way to the bottom of the Kickstarter where it says scenery, and underneath it says to see better pictures of the scenery, click here. Oh my goodness, there's like a minecart. See, this is the stuff. Like you could, you could just spend a lifetime. Yeah, you could spend a whole. You could stuff. have a whole hobby just buying um, stuff for for role playing. Yeah, and just like fully do the immersion thing on it. Oh, what's that? Unholy circle, active and inactive. Oh my goodness! So, um, whilst. I am thoroughly enjoying this. I don't imagine it's making the most fantastic podcast listening. No, but it's there. It's a great looking company. We'll obviously put all the links up, um, not only for the new range, um, but, you know, for their website too, because, um, I think if you're a fan of Hero Quest, it's, they're, they're a wicked alternative, really. Um, what I'm really loving is the fact that they're selling the Hero Quest star bases 
for them to go on as a basing pack. Yes. Because um, I've been, I wanted to take the models off their bases to really sort of give them a little bit of love. Um, but of course, to do that, you have to snip the bases off. And I was going to mount them on round bases so that I could use them in other games. But I'm now seriously considering, um, very seriously considering putting them on, um, you know, on these bases. So, yeah, really exciting stuff. Especially if you're into nostalgic stuff like me. Yeah. Right. So, sorry about that. I've definitely sucked in. So, definitely do check out that website. In fact, if it's, it's made Dan go quiet, then uh, it must be good. <laughs> in truth, to make this um, actually worth listening to, I would suggest you go and find the website, rewind the podcast about five minutes, and listen along, because <laughs> then you can see what what I'm talking about. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much for joining us. So that was episode forty-eight. Would you believe, Ben? Madness. It is in- it's insane, isn't it? Yeah. What I'd like to ask people for for the end of episode homework is what would you like or what do you think would be cool for us to do for episode 50? Mm. Um, so almost make episode 50 dictated by you guys because um, we'd like to do something special, really, because um, it's, it's a big milestone. Yeah. I think it's a big milestone. Um, so, yeah. Very exciting. Good times. It is. So, um, as ever, guys, if you've enjoyed uh, listening, we hope you have. Um, if we could ask uh, that you guys tell people, um, share it about. If you're feeling really generous, stick a review, particularly on iTunes, uh, but also on Facebook or on Podbean. It's really helpful. Really, really does help us. Um, we we try not to just share into everybody's groups um, ourselves. You don't, yeah, because... You know, we at, when we first started, we did that somewhat just to get the name out there. But it's, you know, you end up with whole groups which are just adverts. Um, and that's not fair because somebody's set that group up. But uh, I think it's quite different if if you've had a positive experience with someone else's product or, or offering and you share that in. So if you're up for that, that would be great. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram... Um, at the Two Peas Podcast. We are also on YouTube and we have Two Peas in a Pod is the website. And last Two Peas in a Pod dot com. Dot com. Yes, dot com. Um, lastly, and by certainly by no means least, is a massive thank you as ever to our patrons. Um, we've said it before and we'll say it again. We don't massively push it. We don't have an intention to put uh, any of the the podcast content behind a paywall, um, but that in no way takes away from the fact that we we are incredibly grateful to our patrons um, because that uh, that money uh, goes towards hosting the the podcast, um, hosting the site, um, and my spray tan. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my days. That's an image I did not need in my mind. That's a lot of tan. (laughs) So, um, on that bombshell, thank you very much for listening. Ben, it's been a blast. Um, We will catch you all again in episode 49.